You're watching No Go Zone with Henry. Welcome, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in today. Good to uh, see you all. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a wonderful Woden's Day. Uh, it is Wednesday, the 17th of May, which, of course, uh, goes out to uh, my neighbors uh, over there in uh, Norway. Well, traditionally speaking, I'm, I'm in the U.S. right now, but I, uh, I am from Sweden. So, of course, uh, 17th of May, Suttenemai, uh, big day for the uh, Norwegians out there. I remember even, you know, in uh, Gothenburg, it was like, uh, at the time, I wasn't paying attention to national holidays or independence days of various countries and stuff like that. And one day, it was just tons of Norwegian flags out. I was like... Man, it's like it's a bigger celebration of the Norwegian uh, National Day or in, in Independence Day, technically, right? Because they became independent from from Sweden. Damn you! We should, look at all the money we would have gotten, all the oil money, if we just stayed together, bros. We should. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it was like a bigger celebration uh, in Sweden of the Norwegian uh, National Day uh, than it was about like the Swedish National Day. If Sweden, I say, I tell you this much though. If Sweden, instead of picked this arbitrary, what is it? I, I can't even remember. It's so unmemorable. Sixth of June is at the, and it's not a, it's not barely a national holiday. Uh, it's not a Independence Day, because uh, of course we were the big bullies in the area, right? Well, for time anyway. Uh, no, instead, they it became this the day of the Swedish flag, which is just like this weird, you know, like just nonsensical. If they would have put put um, Midsummer, right? 21st of June, or uh, technically it would be the, the first Friday after the uh, summer solstice, right? Uh, whatever that day happens to be, then it would be a, a huge thing, I think. That, that's, I mean, that's basically, Midsummer is basically Sweden's national day. But anyway, uh, shout out to uh, any Norwegians out there uh, watching uh, today. Congrats on that. Uh, it's always good to see them, uh, see some Nordic countries celebrating a little bit of their own uh, patriotism. Now, they're not as bad as Sweden, but they're trying to catch up. Uh, so, uh, man, I hope they uh, I hope they fare better than we do. Uh, I know some people are, are, are very pro, you know, kind of like Nordic unity and stuff. And I, and I think I overall agree with that. It, it's nice to have the the small differences that do exist, and and if that if they would be eroded by just kind of going together, I'm not sure I would be pro it. But I get the, I get the ta- like the the strategic idea of it, kind of like you know the Nordic resistance movement. They're they're pro uh, unifying the Nordic countries at least to some capacity. I, I think I think I read something, not, and not that this matters. It's not about it's nothing to do with GDP and money or whatever. But if you talk about influence, I guess right. Uh, influence. Let, let's assume that the Nordic countries started to, at some point here, turn a little bit more in a rightward direction, right? Uh, if we actually joined together, uh, we would be the third, the se- or actually the first, uh, either with Germany, Thai, or like, or, or ahead of them. I forget exactly what the latest was, but it was ba- basically one of the more powerful, influential uh, countries or zones in the EU if we actually did that. So uh, anyway, uh, I see some of the reasoning behind that. All right. Anyway, that's that. Uh, we did have. We did, I can say this, we did have some Swedes, uh, uh, journalists, uh, shitting on Norway today. <clears throat> Magnus Söderman, good, uh, good account you should follow uh, if you're Swedish. Um, when you're tired of bringing Sweden down and have, have to find another people or another country to turn to, because Sweden is you know, basically ruined by these people now, uh, these activists and uh, anti-white leftists, uh, if I, he says, honestly, if I walked past Expressen's editorial office and saw that it was on fire, I would not call uh, 112, which is the EU 911, right? Uh, but just move on. Had I read the, the, the article? No, the title is enough. And the title was, 
Let's see if they translate here. Uh, the Norwegian flag belongs in the ass. <clears throat> Uh, very ni- very nice article. Uh, I like that on this one you can actually see uh, the journalist in question that uh, <clears throat> that wrote uh, this piece, and she's basing this on a TV show. Uh, apparently, now I haven't seen this. There's some TV show about I guess Norwegian bankers uh, called Exit. <sighs> Look, I don't watch TV, obviously, right? But may- maybe this, some of you guys are, are keeping up with that. Apparently, it's been like a smash success uh, in uh, Norway. I forget what they said. Norway glued to tales of bankers behaving badly in TV show. Exit. And it's like, bankers? Huh. Hmm. Interesting. Where, let's see where this goes. <clears throat> but I I, I, th- I I, think, without having seen the, sh- the show, uh, I think it's very much <clears throat> shitting on a, a kind of a banker class that, how do I put it, don't really exist. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, okay, interesting. I'm, let's read a little bit of this here. Uh, shitting on bankers, regardless who they are, is 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 always a welcomed uh, play, kind of in my book. You know what I mean? Uh, the producer Peter Testman Koch, Koch, is that the like the Koch brothers? Is that the the relation? Peter Testman Koch. <clears throat> so I'm like, okay, let's let's uh, let's search a little bit here. Uh, yeah, here's some, there's some ball or something in some of the first episodes of this thing. Uh, do you see where this is going? This is like a, um, it's like a, what was the Ari? What was his name again? Ari, who did the Midsummer movie, right? Shitty, shitting on uh, Swedish, you know, ooh, scary pagan traditions of, of Midsummer. Remember that? It kind of, uh, I, look, without having seen, he has that feel a little, a little bit, but this is just like, you know, sh- shitty, spoiled, bratty Norwegians who have a lot of money. That That's what it feels like, right? Uh, anyway, here. Maybe we can get a uh, we can get an opinion in sh- in uh, chat here. Uh, interview with Petter Testman Koch. Is it? Uh, let's let's check in. Is this the early live check in check here or? At the IBC TV studio now is Petter Testman Koch from Fremantle Media Koch. in Norway. An exciting project. Your Testman Koch. This lost in time and time's important. You did something with television that hasn't really been done before, Peter. Tell us about it. Well, it's quite an ambitious and groundbreaking format, and it's about uh, mixing television and uh, interactive mixed reality, which is what we call it. And uh, it's about making people interactive with a format at home, playing an app simultaneously yeah. as you watch. You have to kind of be a second screen or third screen person. You don't have to, but it's an additional uh, yeah. or an add-on, which is good, and it was a success in. in uh, tell me, in tell terms. me what sort of engagement? How many people on their iPads or their you know their well, devices you, were joining in? Usually you get two to three percent in conversion right. for interactivity, and we were thirty to forty percent every now and then. Wow, so oh, tenfold uh, increase. Yeah. So it was uh, maybe he's maybe he's I think Norwegian. I'm not sure. Petter Testman Kok. It's hard. It's hard to tell. Hey, by the way, uh, I saw this. Uh, if you do want to, uh, where did they go? Here you go. If you do like me, would like to avoid the television when you uh, walk outside. There was a uh, invention here. Apparently, I think it's, what was it, infrared? I forget exactly the technical details of this. Uh, I think uh, they live glasses, right? But instead of actually kind of, I guess, seeing what's really on screen, it just blacks it out entirely. Uh, so if you are in a public space, let's say, you know, I don't know, an airport, a bar or whatever, uh, where they play this garbage nonstop, you could put on these glasses and just block out the, the, the shit on the screen. This is, a, this is a decent invention here. Yeah, IRL can block light emitted from TV and computers. 
blocks screens through horizontal optics, making it look like the TV in front of you is off. Yeah, inspired by the film They Live, where of course you see see the truth of things. Well, it's not just about blocking ads, whoever did this video. It also works as the UV blocking sunglasses. Alright, anyway, that's that. So maybe something to do uh, to invest invest in. Speaking of uh, shitty TV shows, uh, if you go over to uh, to Norway here again. But uh, all right, <laughs> with that with that out of the way, maybe I, maybe I'll have to take a look at at a uh, an episode or two and see uh, see actually wh- wh- who they're shitting on. I have I have an idea, right? But uh, oh, did I say that uh, this was so successful because with so many people? Did they have the number here? Yeah, here you go. Exit has just finished its second season, scoring record viewing figures over 2 million per episode in Norway, a country of 5.3 million. This is what you get with some of these, uh, you know, former, uh, well, partially they are still socialist, but they're, they're uh, socialism for the wealthy and, uh, and their hardcore uh, competitive neoliberalism for the poor, I guess. Uh, but uh, that's basically that's almost like half of the country. I, I remember that, like growing up, like you know, two TV channels, whatever. Like everyone watched this one TV show. That's why it was so important for them to import all this uh, American Hollywood garbage uh, written by uh, hostile ethnic groups, um, and it worked. Look at the uh, result now. But anyway, it's it's already been sold to thirty six countries. This t- TV show. So you are if you're. Even if you don't watch TV, you're going to be plagued by it on like ads on YouTube or you're going to see it somewhere, right? In the UK, it's available on Apple TV uh, with remakes in the pipeline and has been the most talked about Nordic show this year. All right, so there we go. Uh, t- Testman Cock. That's uh, that's where, what the, where that's from. All right. Anyway, didn't want to spend time talking about this here today. Send some super chats our way. Enterpreneum.live slash Red Eyes TV. You can do it on Odyssey and Rumble as well. We should be, I think we should be up and uh, running in uh, both uh, places there as well. Had a little issue with Odyssey, but I think we're rolling there now. Um, we read those uh, on the air. Now, staying in, um, just staying a little bit here uh, in Sweden. This could this could be a wholesome segment here, uh, to be honest. Just, uh, just a little bit, right? Um, we actually have, oh, let's close that. Here here we go. Here we go. So, Emil uh, Lundberg. As we say in Swedish, Swedish. Uh, Emil, some people say off Lundberg or in Lundberg. You can translate that. I wish Lundberg is a uh, uh, small, um, small area, small, uh, not even a town, uh, not even a municipality. Socken, we, we would call it, right in Swedish. Uh, it's a, it's a tiny little, uh, uh, just a, yeah, t- town, a village, village. That's the best term. Uh, in Småland, one of the counties. Uh, and this is a uh, first a book by Astrid Lindgren. Now you might, you might remember her. There's some pseudo, you know, feminism in like Pippi Longstockings and stuff like that. But overall, overall, pretty wholesome. There's actually even um, what was it? Accusations of racism uh, in Pippi Longstockings because they had uh, a, a less than liberal progressive uh, global homo view uh, on Africans. Actually, in uh, one of the uh, books and and what later turned out to be a movie as well. Pippi Longstocking goes to some Caribbean island, like a pirate or whatever, uh, and I guess they have some black people in there, and that was, it was this was bad and not good enough or whatever. Uh, but anyway, Emil Lundberg, classic, right? I've been showing that to uh, to my boys. They they love it, right? Just one of these things. It's one of these things where 
they try to convince us that it, it never this is Sweden that's depicted in here never really existed right this is the one that try to gaslight us into this but you can look at this one uh, or a movie called uh, Alla barnen i Bullebyn uh, all the kids in Bullebyn another little village uh, these spots where they were filmed and stuff have actually turned into like you know like tourist spots. It, it's huge. In, like ger- the Germans love this, the idyllic you know Swedish kind of environment and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, it's celebrating 60 years. Holy shit! Uh, this uh, this year here as well. Um, I thought we could just let's just play a little bit from the uh, from the film there. To be honest, just to get a feel, it's it's like a. Um, it, it, saying Dennis the Menace is kind of wrong, but it's about a young Swedish boy who does, uh, you know, pranks on his, mostly on his dad and stuff like that. Uh, but as he learns r- about life on the farm, right, very super wholesome, right? Uh, obviously, a hundred percent white <laughs> Swedish, right? Uh, in 1963, uh, Nya Dagblad, source, uh, says Asir Lindgren wrote the first book about Sweden's perhaps most beloved hidden kid. I wonder how, how's that translated. This is Google Translate. That could be hidden kid. Hmm. Uh, probably not the correct translation. The story of Emil in Lundeberga has since become to be loved all over the world. This year, the 60th anniversary is celebrated with, among other things, new books and ex- exhibitions on the Smålands boys' adventure in the early 1900s Sweden. Uh, yeah, parish. Okay, that would be the... I was looking for the right term. But a parish. There you go. Thank you. Um, in the parish of Lundeberga in the early 1900s, is often quiet uh, and quiet in the Smallland uh, farm area. The, the translation of this is going to be pretty wonky. Uh, he gets uh, he, he does something naughty. He gets closed into the uh, I guess the the woodshed, right? Snicky uh, <laughs> one, uh, and he whittles these little uh, wooden figures. Now, for those of you who know your pre-Christian history in the Scandinavian uh, countries, this is a big little uh, uh, hint here. He's, he's sitting in there carving little uh, Odin and Thor figurines. That's what it looks like if you uh, look at it. But uh, uh, super wholesome stuff. Let, let's play. Let's just play a little bit from the beginning here so you guys can get the feel. I think there is a translated version out there uh, of the movie uh, for those who want to kind of, I guess, read along with their kids if you want to show it or whatever. But just just you get a feel of it. This is, you know, this is not like, you know, news or whatever, you know, shit like that. But it's it's good to give you a little slice here uh, of what it used to be. This was filmed in 1971. Uh, So the the books was obviously before that, right? Let's play a little bit. I'm going to include uh, the little song here in the beginning, too. This is uh, wonderful stuff. Oh, look at that. Nice and calm. Life on the farm. Men working together, women bringing them, uh, you know, coffee or water or something to drink as they break their backs, trying to get big stones out of it. This is this is how life used to be, folks. Man, it's tran- it's transformed so fast. It, it's it's impossible for us to keep up on any kind of conceivable level, to be honest. Uh, but anyway, music is almost over here. But uh, very like qu- nice and quiet, laid back. It's not schizo. I don't even know if kids would be able to watch this today my, my kids can because we, we're not showing them like <laughs> hysterical modern shit but <laughs> All right, i'm gonna shut up a little bit let's let's enjoy amy lindberg
Emil i Lönneberga. Han som bodde på gården Katthult i Lönneberga socken i Småland. Har du någonsin hört talas om honom? Nej, det har jag inte. Beautiful shots here. Man, what a time. Amazing. Can you imagine? It was harder, but man, was it more rewarding. Man, was it better. I Lönneberga, där fanns det inte en enda människa, det kan jag försäkra, som inte kände till katthultarnas hemska lilla pojke. Den där Emil som gjorde fler hus än det var dagar på She says everybody in Lunderberg knew of Emil because he was doing so many pranks and naughty things. <laughs> we even have a, you know what, wait until the dad shows up, I, I'd say this. Imagine like a, uh, a blonde version of a naughty Austrian painter. <laughs> I'll show you what I mean in a second. Yeah, stackar Svensson's i Katthult som hade en sån pojk. Här till exempel, när hans pappa hade glömt sin hatt vid Katthultsbäcken. Vad gjorde Emil då? Inte av elakhet gjorde han den, ej han ville bara se ifall hatten flöt eller inte. Guys doing like, uh, you know, scientific experiments, right? This is good. Dens density measurements, you know, will the, will uh, pappas hat float, right? <laughs> intense, uh, intense pranks. Emil var hygglig på det viset att han sällan gjorde samma hus två gånger utan hittade på nya hela tiden. He never did the same thing twice, right? He came up with new uh, different pranks every time. Nej, de var verkligen inte vattentäta. Men det kunde ju finnas andra som var det. Here it takes uh, Allan Edvall, the actor that's playing uh, Emil's dad here, Texas. <coughs> and to uh, to test if they're, they're watertight, you of course don't put it on and put it in the, the the river or you know the water. You you fill it up with water, right? So if it if it leaks, if water runs out, you know whether it's tight or not. I mean, you could put this on and just like enjoy the environment, even if you can't understand it. There's a uh, blonde Austrian painter here. Emil! Classic. Emil! In the woodshop. There you go. There you get a little. You get a little slice of that. He uh, he goes through. Uh, the movie goes up to Yule or uh, Christmas. You know things like that, showing uh, uh, the different uh, seasons and stuff like that. Just a just a wonderful, wonderful movie. And and it's it's really one of those like if you want to find out like wh like how much things have actually been ruined, what what they took from us. Uh, put this on, but it's kind of interesting because, as I said, there's this whole movement now. It's not framed maybe from Emil, but the other movie I mentioned, Bullebin, uh, all the the kids in the Bullebin, um, 
that try to claim that that's like a, a, a an idyllic version that just like kind of never existed. You can check out these uh, the little uh, men he's making here. Uh, he's making for every time he ends up in there, he does a bad thing, or whatever. He's closed in there. Or he runs in there himself and closes himself in so his dad can't punish him for his pranks. Uh, he whittles one of those. So so it's uh, in the movie. He's coming up on the hundredth, uh, not anniversary, hundredth uh, celebration uh, of of uh, uh, his little wood figurines, right? But, I mean, check these check these environments out here. This is great stuff. That's how it used to be, folks. How we used to live, not and not that long ago, just just a few generations ago, really. To be honest. Check out this guy. Here. Let me see if we can find a good. Uh... <clears throat> my uh, my am I crazy here? But uh, is that uh, is. That... <laughs> It's the funny version of, of this of the naughty Austrian painter. Uh, just a just a little bit. It's the stash was of course very popular, right? Early 1900s. His hair might not be exactly uh, the same, but uh, oh well. Anyway, you there's there, there's fun fun of uh, fun gems like that in this one. Uh, to be honest, that you can uh, that you can you can spot. All right. Anyway, I think that's enough of that. <laughs> Hopefully you enjoy that. Check it out. It's on YouTube. Uh, I, I, there might be a translated version of this too, uh, if you want to find that out. But yeah, no, so th there's a Wikipedia thread on, on this, right? Check this out here. Bullebis syndrome is a term referring to an idealization of Sweden, which may occur in German-speaking Europe. It consists of a stereotypical image of Sweden, usually with positive associations including wooden houses, clear lakes, green forests, elk, people with blonde hair. Ooh, here we go. White nationalism. You bet your ass it's white nationalism. That's all it was until we were invaded and by before we were, uh, you know, infestated by people hating us and turned our own people against us. Happy people and midsummer sunshine. The term comes from Astrid Lindgren's The Six Bulleby Children's Book set in rural Sweden, right? Uh, and it's like, well, this is what do you mean idolized? This is literally what it was. Even the book series can 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 be considered like a kind of a documentation of life at that time in uh, in Sweden. Uh, about German love for Swedish life. <laughs> it's like, is this really? The American dream has come to an end, but the Swedish dream just started. As a story from rags to riches uh, stepped back Sweden's countryside and also its cities burst with immigrants. It boasts people. Oh my God! Uh, it boasts people who work on letting their dreams come true by living in a wooden house close to a lake. Is that is that bad? Why though, and for how long? Yeah, can you can you blame people? They're wanting to go back to to an easier uh, time, a, a pre-invasion time. No, of course not. Uh, anyway, it goes through why Germany can't have kind of scenes like this. This is too. This is reminiscent of Nazism. This is bad if they think that this any of this kind of remotely exists. Ay ay ay. All right. Yeah, Lars Augebeck says uh, <laughs> Emil. That's right. Thank you, uh, Lars. I needed that. It's a classic. We should add that onto the uh, soundboard. Uh, chain reaction says Swedes, Swedes trying to appropriate my Austrian granddad. <laughs> Shaking my head, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a. I don't think the actor Alani Edvard, I don't think, was he maybe some Swedes? No, I don't think he was originally blonde, but they made him blonde because it was Emil, is, you know, super blonde. That kid, by the way, went on to become a. Unfortunately, I think it became a journalist. <laughs> I don't even know what he writes for, but uh, it, is, uh, it is pretty crazy stuff. Uh, over on Rumble, we have a. 
uh, Rumble Rants over there. Love from Rumble from uh, Sith22. Thank you. Appreciate that. That's, uh, that's nice of you. All right. Anyway, something different there. Um, so, but for the blood and soil segment here, check out Emily Lundeberg. Uh, bon I Bullman, very good as well. I can uh, highly recommend that. Some people love the books. They're translated. Uh, and uh, Astrid Lindgren had uh, was there some controversy. She never received the the um, the Nobel Prize like literature. Everyone always wanted that. I don't think I don't think she got it after her death. The other there's some people unless I'm wrong unless I missed that. But I remember it was a big thing. Uh, at the time, like she was, you know, internationally best-selling author. Everyone loved her stuff, right? Uh, there was no reason why she shouldn't have gotten some of this. But, but that dumb fucking price is just a joke at this point. All right. Now for some uh, some serious stuff here, to be honest. Uh, and not that the other is serious. It's it's serious in the sense that we this is what we've what we've lost, right? But so, uh, Jared Taylor, um, wonderful Jared Taylor. Always classy, Jared Taylor from American Renaissance was actually slated to go over to uh, Estonia and uh, or was it Latvia, Estonia, right, uh, for another conference over there, and he was he was barred yet again. Remember this? We covered it not directly live. Well, actually, we called him when he was in like a holding cell or something like that. We we just gotten out from there, uh, waiting in the airport in. Was it not Switzerland? Where did he fly? I forget where he flew in. But anyway, oh, actually, it was Poland. I think he flew in too, and then it was going to go on from there or whatever. But uh, so th- he was banned for five years at that point, right? And that's 2017. He writes about it here in the early. Um, he, he was slated to go. Uh, some of you may know that the government of Poland banned me from in, from the entire 27-country Schengen zone in 2018 without even telling me. I found out about the ban only in 2019 when I was refused entry into the Schengen by the Swiss authorities and sent back to the United States. That's four years. Is that why he couldn't? I, I, if it's a five-year ban, he would have maybe 2024. He could go back in. Am I getting this wrong? All the Swiss could have uh, could tell me. All the Swiss could tell me was that my name was in the computer for a three-year ban. Oh, three years. Oh, sorry, I thought it was five. Okay, three years. So he was good to go. Okay, got it. But I figured the figured Jared wouldn't do <laughs> such a simple math mistake. A three-year ban by order of Poland with no reason given. I suspect the reason was that I gave several talks to a Polish Catholic nationalist group called all Polish youth. Needless to say, it's a peaceful patriotic organization. When I first learned of the ban, uh, I tried every possible way to contact the Polish embassy in the United States and also the Ministry of the Interior in Warsaw to find out what was going on. And of course, he never got a reply. It was only when I tried to enter the Schengen again this week that I learned that Poland had arbitrarily extended the ban from three years to five again. So so two more years or an additional five uh, but this time, of course, same thing, without telling him, without notifying him. This time, some European friends are trying to look into how the ban can be lifted. I don't think it can. Isn't this funny how leftists was like, would be like, oh, you know, oh, this migrant can't just walk across the border and go in illegally. You know, no one is illegal and, you know, stuff like that. Well, Jared Taylor is now officially like an, an illegal person uh, in the Schengen zone, in the EU. This to me is a sign of the. Well, wait, let me back up uh, this line. The second. Uh, all this leaves me with is two strong feelings. First, anger. I'm furious that the, a European government has 
capriciously barred me, is that the word capriciously, barred me from the continent that is the source of all things I love the most. The second feeling is irony. Every year, Europeans admit tens of thousands of people who have no loyalty to the West, many of whom are, are actively hostile to us. And yet Poland forbids entry to some who has devoted his life to defending the values, heritage, and people of Europe. That that's that's why you're banned, Jared. I know you I, I know he understands that, but I'm just being uh, coy here. Uh, this, to me, is a sign of the deep, deep sickness of our time, a sickness that we are struggling to cure. As for this conference, uh, Frode Midiud, he was setting up uh, another Skanska, for, Skanska forum in, uh, uh, was it in, where was it? Sorry, I missed the detail here. Mm, am I missing it? Maybe it's further down. Uh, anyway, I think, yeah, I think it's just maybe Tallinn or something like that. I forget where it was. But anyway, um, as for this conference, Fruity set the topic as visions for the West, what we might hope for and expect in the next 25 years. He said our remarks should be realistic, wishful thinking. That sounds like a combination of pure prediction and fantasy. I'm not good at either, but I was determined to do my best. To summarize very briefly, the key to the future is white racial consciousness. Absolutely, 100%. Without it, there may be no West in 25 or 50 years, but with racial consciousness, everything is possible. It is our job to build that consciousness. That's correct. Without it, white people cannot say to others, this land was built by our ancestors for us, not for you. We wish you well, but you must seek your destiny where you were born or where your parents or even grandparents were born. Um, look, it's nothing personal, but it's not yours, okay? <laughs> you you have an entire country. Go go make that great. Apparently, their presence is, is making our country stronger, right? We covered in Western Warrior that uh, deal between uh, Germany and um, uh, Kenya, was it? They have done a, a couple of these things before with uh, Namibia, giving them like billions in, in aid and like, oh, we're going to repay for colonialism and stuff like that. And of course, as we've uh, realized, of course, is that Europeans made life better for these people under colonialism. Uh, there's a net positive for these people, but of course, now we're being punished for it. And there's this mythologization of our of our of us just uh, casual victimize, victimizing these people and murdering and raping them just because we basically felt we have nothing better to do, right? Truth of, is, of course, that tons of Europeans died just to travel in some cases to these countries, much less survive in, in foreign new environments with new diseases and stuff. And many, of course, died. Uh, but there we are building up uh, infrastructure, right, railways, architecture. Here we, here we are all excited about thinking we're going to we're going to give these people civilization. Nope. Big mistake. If Europeans cannot say this regarding the uh, statement, this land was built for us by our ancestors, your future is in the short term, the United States, in the long term, South Africa. Racial consciousness will also completely reorient our values. Today, especially in the United States, moral worth comes from victimhood. It doesn't Europe too. <clears throat> no person is a failure. Instead, he is a victim of white society. Victims can accumulate intersectional layers of victimhood. And this makes them moral heroes. I'm only half joking when I say that the person with the greatest accumulated victimhood and therefore the greatest moral worth would be a one-legged, illiterate, lesbian, Somali immigrant sex worker with a le learning disability. Yeah, that's a good one. There's some good, uh, good, <laughs> good combos. 
Today, the greatest virtue in the West is so-called compassion for such people. Yeah, it's like what uh, um, uh, Baba Kate versus the state uh, said, or Baba Kate just for short. Um, here we are. She was talking about Britain specifically, right? Uh, I'll play the clip actually a little bit later. But uh, here we are, like going from the speaking from the point of view of Britain, right? The greatest empire, like known to man, essentially, right? For for a long time, anyway. Maybe maybe Rome had uh, had. Uh, could, could could kind of compete on that, but regardless, in in a very long time, a, incredible empire, right? The organizational skill of these people, what they did in other parts of the world, and so forth, and then just within a few generations, it's all collapsed, and now they're being invaded, uh, not with people with you know shotguns and knife and shields and tanks, it, it, but but just sob stories. <laughs> That's basically all they're armed with, sob stories. And this is working to break down uh, our, our, for the most part, not our, personally, you guys watching, but uh, people out there, uh, unfortunately, are racial brothers and, and, and sisters in many European parts um, uh, around the world, uh, break down uh, their defenses, right? And and this just goes straight into the guilt, uh, white guilt complex, and, and, and therefore we feel some kind of special responsibility that we have to let in and take care of these people. Um, is is as if that wasn't setting us on a different uh, pedestal altogether of what what we're capable of, right? <clears throat> yeah, the greatest virtue in the West is so-called compassion for for these people. Even if such an empty, even if it's an empty virtue, it is emptied because it requires no sacrifice. Only endless calls for ways to take the wealth from normal productive people and give it to abnormal unproductive people. A racially conscious West would not honor this phony compassion. It would honor courage, honesty, achievement, duty to family and nation. Its goal would be, uh, would not be just for us to be white people. It would be, uh, yeah, the goal would not just for us to be, to be white people. It would be for us to be the best white people we can possibly be. A racially conscious West would also understand that our future can lie only in children. Only healthy family building and healthy birth rates. We have some more on that later, by the way. It's we're, we're going into a, 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 a depopulation uh, era here soon. Uh, in le- unless there are a couple of, you know, potential if scenarios there, but we'll talk about it. Um, but anyway, yeah, healthy birth rates in the lands that are our own. Uh, that only that will ensure our future. This new understanding will end confusion about homosexuality, sex roles, even the pur- purpose of life. A rediscovery that the number one purpose of society is to build healthy, happy families will reverse our rush towards degeneracy. Finally, my vision for the West is spiritual. All of us, whatever our faith, find a deep meaning as part of the magnificent biological cultural heritage of our people. We're all part of a colossal organism that stretches back into the prehistoric past and just as far into the future. Each of us is a link in this everlasting adventure of Western man, and what we contribute is to make us immortal. This is my vision. Well said, Jared. Beautiful, beautiful put. All right, so yep, he is uh, banned. I, I got it. I'll invite Jared again. I hope to do a show with him here soon. We could talk about this and uh, maybe some of the extend the conversation on on his talk and stuff like that. Uh, but yep, that happened again. And then, of course, in the UK, you have uh, Sven Longshanks, uh, who was banned. Uh, sorry, who, who's 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 imprisoned. He was he was convicted. Uh, his podcast, I, I guess, was the was the reason, right? The, the his his band podcast, um, 
This is from the look at this. Uh, this is a screenshot here. Someone shared on, on Telegram. Counterterrorism policing. A 50-year-old man from Wales who broadcast broadcast over 2,000 hateful podcasts on his website has today, Monday, May 15th, been sentenced to two and a half years imprisonment after found guilty of stirring up racial hatred. These recordings are insulting and abusing and by distributing, what, what do you mean uploading to his own personal website? By distributing these hateful messages, this man is inciting hatred, potentially threatening the safety of the public and the stability of our community. Oh, stabilities of our communities now? You care about that? Holy fucking shit. We will not accept any action which attempts to undermine or divide our communities and will continue to work to counteract the intentions of individuals who seek to do this. Okay, can you do Antifa cultural Marxism now? Can you uh, do anti-white uh, activists now? Of course not. This is all just fucking bullshit. Sven, Lo Sven Longshanks has just been jailed for two and a half years. And this is Mark Collett's comment, I think it was here. He has a he had a he has a medical condition too. I didn't know that. I, I've talked with with him over uh, email. He's the the literally the nicest guy. I didn't have time to listen to all this podcast. I've checked some of them out here and there. But he, very courteous. He was always super supportive of us. And uh, I wanted to actually you know bring him on the show, and I didn't find a way of reaching out to him. I I I'm not sure if he's in there right now immediately, or or if the if the chance to get him on regardless. If he still wants to, I, who knows where, where he will be at in uh, two and a half years from now. Unless they, who knows what, they, I mean, they, they try to break people in there. They, they are all kinds of awful things. I just I just really wish the best uh, for, for Swan Longshanks. He doesn't deserve this. And, it, and it's so sickening considering all the other things that's happening uh, in Britain right now. The fact is, Mark said here, that not a single member of the public or member of any ethnic minority community complained about any of his podcasts or shows, which of course makes these even more absurd, right? Adding insult to injury, Mark wrote, the judge who jailed Sven, one Hugh Rees, has repeatedly let pedophiles walk free, yet chose to jail a nationalist over spoken words, a complete miscarriage of justice. Holy fucking shit. It's, it's, it's bad. I mean, it, it is bad. It, there's no other way of looking at this. And then at the same time, I mean, I feel the the desperation, right? Where the image go here? I'm going to pull that up here while we talk about it. I feel a, a desperation by the people doing this, uh, you know, to us. And a, a, just, a, a just complete overreach. Uh, and it will certainly not wake up everybody, things like this. But of course, if you think they're settled with this and say, okay, well, that, there we go, you know, kind of thing. But much of this is, is, is deterrent. So I forget who said it, but, but someone made that comment. They basically said, we want to ensure that we basically uh, kind of draw a line in the sand, set the tone here so other people are scared to share their thoughts and talk. Can you imagine? Can you fucking imagine as the, as the British people, the English people, Scottish, Welsh people for that matter too, the Irish, uh, are being replaced. Their countries of their forebears are being utterly destroyed in front of their eyes. You are not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to talk about how you feel about it. You're not allowed to talk about what you think should be done about it, how to restore actual 
order to the country? If you want to say, who's who's creating division? Who's creating communities that, that are unsafe? It's the very same people and those who support the decisions uh, of, of jailing someone like Sven Longshanks here. Uh, it, it is absolutely sickening. sickening. And my, my heart goes out to him, and I hope there's something that can be done here. I hope they can appeal this. They can go to higher court, hopefully, uh, and take this up. But yeah, this is it's it's uh, you have a podcast that that's considered basically terrorism now. This is the counter terrorism policing uh, website here that released this statement on 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 a podcaster. Never never heard a, a soul. Uh, no one was even aff- no one even complained. There wasn't even someone who was offended by what he said. They don't even know it existed. <laughs> that's how sick this is. Unbelievable. Maybe maybe bring on Mark if he's available for a short, a short segment. He has followed this cl- closely. I suspect he's spoken with uh, with Sven Longshanks a bit as well. All right, yeah, it is. It, it's so sick, folks. Everything is upside down. Uh, but this is not over. They're, they're winning battles, but uh, they have not won the war against white people. That that there's that is not going to be won until the last one of us is, is walking off the stage of history, and and that is not going to happen. That is just a fact. It's just a matter of it's just a matter of how bad it will get, how much we will lose, until we finally put our foot down. I think a lot of things have happened over the last few years that we should be very positive about, or very white pilled about. This is certainly not one of them, but but there's other things where we've clearly seen an opposition building to these kinds of insane policies and 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 insane decisions made by people who who hate us, who, who want us gone who want to replace us uh and and slowly but surely that opposition people are people are watching they're listening they're staying behind and 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 yes i wish it was action immediately right now you know you know conan barbarian style drive these enemies before you you know (laughs) but uh, that's just not the time we're in We're, we're not to do something like that now would just basically put more of us in 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 jail even if we didn't do anything that was criminal clearly here well, they're trying to make it criminal, but I mean, clearly, this is free speech, right? Oh, you hurt your fee fees? Oh, well, there you go to prison with you. That's no, that's not how it works. Um, time will, th- th- there will be a time. Time will come. Time will come. Their time is, is slowly coming to a close. Can't come fast enough. I, I, I agree. All right. So, um, another issue here. This is. Fascinating. Switching over to the U.S. for a little bit. The uh, White House Twitter account uh, shared a, uh, a photo here. <clears throat> Where it said, second gentleman, right, which is, which is Kamala Harris' husband, Douglas Emhoff. Uh, Douglas Emhoff, the second gentleman, met with Jewish White House staff in celebration of Jewish-American History Month was it? When was that? I I must have missed the memo. Um, I'm f- trying to find. Let me find a screenshot here real quick so I can find this. I what, what is this? A couple of years ago, this started. Uh, I I just I can't remember. But anyway, fascinating. It, it, it is apparently May as we as we as we painfully glide towards Pride Month. Ugh. We uh, we we have the privilege of experiencing Jewish American Heritage Month Month right now. 
Our administration is proud to recognize the Jewish staffers who helped carry our nation forward each day. And, and, it's, a, and it's a much better nation currently, of course it is. And are helping create a more inclusive tomorrow. What is that? The Jewish White House. This is every every damn person in the in the staff. Who? How many more are there? Does this mean that it, that the entire staff is is Jewish, or 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 was just everyone stepping out to help be part of? I, I'm I'm a little confused. Now we can of course look at Biden's cabinet, where of course over 50%, and this is not even an updated one. I think there's actually more that's come aboard too, uh, that uh, that are of uh, Jewish origin uh, in Biden's cabinet here. Uh, they are about 1% of the US. I thought it was 2% of the, maybe this, maybe I'm thinking of the world, uh, the total world number or something, but anyway, 1% of the US population, more than 50% of the cabinet. This is uh, fascinating stuff here. Uh, if you ask me, I'm not sure what's going on here, but that's uh, that's Doug Emoff and someone uh, who someone made a joke here that zoom, <laughs> zoomed in. Um, in dire need of Hakan, I have so many questions. Was he the uh, was he one of these the, the golden horde uh, kind of accounts? He was like a kind of some based uh, step Asian or that. There's this whole I don't have time to follow that, but there's like this. You know, kind of fun subculture on on Twitter and other places, right? With uh, uh, you know, they're like, oh, the the the, ste- the Asian step uh, Mongol hordes are are the 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 true uh, you know Aryan master race, and they're all based and <laughs> shit like that. But anyway, so that's what they mean when he says Hakan. We're in best desperate need of Hakan. I forget his last name was like impossible to pronounce. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the, I have I have so many questions, so many questions. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating time, folks. Be alive. All right. <clears throat> Let me close this here. Red red ink dot. Uh, the uh, it's not the White House. It's the Hebe House. Okay. Now th- this one this one here is interesting because no, and we'll talk about Musk later, right? He had this comment being pro-Semite. No, no one ever attacks anybody for being anti-white, obviously, right? I mean, there, there are some, there are some people that are trying right now. We're, we're trying to point that out and so forth and say, well, this is a, this is hypocrisy, right? This is double standards, <laughs> which is kind of gay, but it's true. So we got to say it, right? It is hypocrisy. Uh, fairness and equality and inclusion and blah, blah, blah and stuff, but fuck white people, you know what I mean? Um, it's such an easy, uh, uh, you know, way to, to to attack these people on a, a point um, that they will increasingly stand out as liars and hypocrites on and so we should therefore do that uh, but it, it's not that we're seeking approval of these people or or, or saying please stop like we don't need we don't, they can hate us all they want it won't change anything uh, if you know what I mean at the end of the day uh, well if they, if they have power it, it changes things but it, anyway you, you get my point right I hope you get my point uh, and so, if we switch that over to the uh, the, the the pro-Semite versus anti-Semite kind of uh, uh, discussion, no one is ever attacked, right? Of for for being well. Actually, let me put it this way: Here's someone who comes out to attack Jewish people because they're not pro-Jewish and pro-Israel, 
uh, enough. I forget who who's activist this, uh, but there's some new. Uh, um, you know, we had all the the Brexit right uh, after Brexit. We had uh, it's kind of part of the you know, leaving the Democrat Party movement and stuff like that. But now it's called uh, Jexit U- USA. Uh, dual loyalty, Adam Green says there, is an anti-Semitic trope, but also left-wing Jews do not support Israel uh, enough. So ch- check out this uh, this clip here. Most Jews vote left because a vast majority of Jews don't really care about Judaism or Israel. They care about secular leftism, which is their religion. The polls show that the Jews are the least religious of all religious groups in America. They go to synagogue, yes, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But other than that, they don't give a rat's mm about Israel or being Jewish, which is why 74%- <clears throat> Shouldn't they be caring about America? Why Why Israel? I mean, I know what's going on here, but I'm just like a rhetorical question here. Like, why Israel though? Like you have, I assume, because she's speaking about American Jews, right? And this is the, the Ben Shapiro defense. Well, they're just, you know, if you try to point out that there's like activism of a certain ethnic group, well, Judaism is just a religion. Jews, of course, do exist, but it's just about Judaism. But they're not, uh, you know, observers of Judaism, you see. So therefore, they're just leftists, you know, kind of thing. That's the defense here, right? Percent voted for Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and Linda Sassoor. You know what I say to them? Shame on you. JexitUSA.org. <clears throat> well, they're voting for and supporting uh, an Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and Alinda Sarsour because at the end of the day, those are anti-white. Are they? Do they say some? You know, cri- do they drop some critique of Israel now and then? Sure, of course they do. But the, as far as I remember, I mean, they don't point out like dual citizenship or maybe they mentioned dual loyalty or whatever, but has has something, has the needle really moved in terms of like what the squad have been able to do on this question? Again, pointing out APAC, which of course is tre- super detrimental uh, to America, right? ADL is an attack on American uh, First Amendment rights, you know, these kinds of things. HIAS is an attack on the demographics of, of America. Uh, and they're, they're not attacking any of those things. And those things, they 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 agree, uh, the highest thing they agree, right? But they might attack them on on, on APAC or whatever. Uh, but that that's a huge problem for America. The, the, America, the, the one redeeming quality of this squad is that they point some of these things out, of course. <clears throat> but uh, no, you got to support Israel more. That's a, that's an interesting take, uh, you know, take on this as we slowly kind of get into the um, the Elon thing here in a little bit of what he said. Uh, so Mr. Wright says the Battle of the Bulge continues in Sports, Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. I did see that. Thank you, Mr. Wright, uh, for that based dono, 1488. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Yes, I saw, um, what is that, a German uh, a boy, right? Uh, Kim or something? Kim uh, Petrus or Pe- Petras or something? What is it? Let me see here. Sports Illustrated Petras. Let me see if I can find that. But yeah, I saw it in passing. I saw people sharing it on <laughs> on uh, Twitter. Uh, Sports Illustrated faces backlash uh, for putting. Of course, I mean, of course they do this. What 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 is there left to do? Uh, you know what I mean? Sports Illustrated faces backlash for transgender pop star Kim Petras swimsuit cover. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, there's some like some German boy. This apparently and. Uh, 
it used to sing with the Sam Smith character. I put a Telegram post up too, by the way. He just gave a that's the quality of these types of people, right? That that this person is hanging out with Sam. I think it's Smith, Sam Smith. I don't even know how I know these names, but if you're out there just you know aggregating you know stories and things enough, you could come across this garbage. Um, but he put some weird. Uh, he, he he was found out with some weird tattoo of like a little boy in high heels standing in front of a uh, a mirror or some shit like that. Just uh, I mean, just pure pedophile kind of stuff, to be honest. All right. Anyway, yeah. So they put they, they put uh, they put the, this this tranny on there. Of course, of course, they have to do that. The, what are they What are they going to do? Uh, this is all they have left, right? <clears throat> Yeah, Kim Petras was the first mainstreaming of Troons in Germany. Is that uh, is that so? All right. Well, anyway, back to the uh, the other point here. Uh, where is it here? Check this out. You know, the the Jewish woman there who wants left wing Jews to be more uh, more, I guess, right wing or pro Israeli or whatever right, like that. And again, I think most of them are that. Just because I, I think I forgot to mention that regarding that clip too. I think that's also kind of a cover, as we've saw, for example, with Hollywood directors. Uh, how many of them that went to go see uh, Rabbi Schneerson in, when he visited in New Jersey or whatever, wherever it was, right? That, that clip is from some time ago, but Steven Spielberg's mother was there. We played that. And you can have this, but no, Hollywood uh, Jews are just left-wing. They're just, uh, you know, kind of secular. They're, they're uh, atheists, you know, kind of thing. But that clip showed, man, there's a decent, sizable portion of some of these people that, that they're highly actually religious uh, still. Uh, and some of them are, you know, Reformed Judaism and things like that, right? But um, no, you'll never be you'll never be criticized for being anti-white, essentially, right? In the mainstream, you always be criticized for being anti-Semitic, for example, uh, or anti-black, or these kinds of things. And so Elon had to, you know, go out on a. a I'm not sure if that's going out on a limb. That's not the right word, maybe. But uh, as he was confronted on this, he had to. He had to grovel and say that he's pro-Semite. But anyway, before we do that, and speaking of like, you know. Uh, replacement and things like that, which of course undermines, ironically, you know, like all the uh, evangelical support that Israel has um, in America by a lot of the Christians who love Israel more than they love their own country and things like that. As they replace that population, um, less and less people will be, uh, you know, religiously tied to this. The less people will be will will care about Israel. Um, the more or the less white the country gets. Uh, the more ethnic problems there will be, and of course we've seen a lot of black Americans like attacking Jews in New York and things like that, but that seems to be kind of a price they're willing to pay uh, to kind of get at uh, at white people, essentially, right? But anyway, there was a, um, just a sign of the replacement here, right? There was a riot that broke out at the Democrats' Minnesota uh, DFL. I'm not even sure what that is. That's it's not even a, it's a hidden like Twitter account. Maybe that's been removed or something like that. Minnesota DFL is some Democrat, whatever. Uh, there was an uh, an endorsing convention for Minneapolis City Council Ward 10. Supporters of opposing candidates clashed on stage. Many of the ten attendees were were from Somalia, uh, where political violence is routine. Imagine that. So you you bring in people from Somalia, uh, and then you get Somalia. Huh. Look at the white guy there, it's not like restore order. 
This is other oh, and the rose there. The uh, yes, it's the the democratic socialists. Right? Is that what this is? He has the little gay gay red rose there. Order. What does it say? <laughs> They're not gonna listen to your gay gavel, man. It's this is not what these people do. Alright, there you go. And of course then people are like, this is unacceptable. Oh, is it? Well that's what's happening now. This is um, this is how moving forward things are more and more and more going to look. That's just what it is. <laughs> Get used to it. You might not enjoy it, but uh, that's what it is. You, they, they're going to feel this the hard way. And some of these people, they'll never recognize this. They'll never, they'll never come, come, come join people who are white identitarians who, just as Jared said, doesn't uh, contrary to belief. You, you know, just like have we, if we could, we don't want to dominate these people. We just want these people to go go back home. Go go build your country. Good luck to you. You know, kind of thing. Um, I just, I, I, I don't want these people here. This is, this is not what, look at the chaos that's ensuing. This is just one, this is just one thing of like a million things like this that's happening. And this is not even like the, the, the problem with like all the violence that we've seen and, and anti-white attacks and stuff like that. But, uh, but, but just kiss any kind of order goodbye, which I think is one of the part of the reasons why. Uh, the leftists uh, and the globalists—they love this because they love chaos, right? They gotta—you get, gotta have—gotta have ample chaos if you want to bring in the uh, the order here. Check out this one. It's another one that uh, American Krogan shared here. Uh, Jewish teacher arrested after making terrorist threats to students after he found a piece of paper with a swastika on it. Hmm. All right. Check it out. Seventh grade teacher in Grafton accused of threatening students. Now go back here. Here we go. Seventh grade teacher in Grafton accused of threatening students now faces jail time. Police say Dave Schrader became angry after finding drawings of swastikas. Schrader allegedly told students he owns guns and would go, quote, press X to doubt on them. CBS 58's Frank Healy has more from Schrader's first appearance in Ozaki County Court today. Dave Schroeder's bail is set at $10,000 on the condition that he surrender any and all firearms and dangerous weapons and he not have contact with any Grafton Public School staff or students except his two children. There was another incident where uh, in March where uh, it was reported that he had recruited one student to punch another student and then had referred to that individual as his enforcer. As Schroeder appeared via video call in the courtroom Monday afternoon, oh, the state's shit. attorney's office says Schroeder's contract had already... Imagine if this teacher was a white man. ...not been renewed by the Grafton Public School District due to past inappropriate behavior. This all came before the latest incident. Just before 10 a.m. Friday, police say Schroeder was accused of telling a class he owned 17 guns, saying he would send his daughter to their homes with a baseball bat and more after discovering a student's drawing of swastikas. Schroeder was placed on leave and escorted from the John Long Middle School, according to school officials. So there's a history of very erratic and, quite frankly, inappropriate behavior, which I think escalates the bail concerns, despite the fact that he has no prior record. Schroeder's attorney, Justin Padway, says the fact that Schroeder, a veteran, a family man, and a longtime teacher, turned himself in shows he isn't a threat. I think the fact that he has no criminal history whatsoever, 
that he served our country, that he's been really teaching youth for an extensive period of time, all go in his favor. Police say Schroeder's statement to the school says he became enraged by the student's swastika drawings as the teacher is Jewish, leading to the incident. In a statement to CBS 58 News, Padway said, quote, In a time of rising anti-Semitism, he is alleged to have responded inappropriately to a highly offensive and hurtful anti-Semitic symbol that has no place in our society. We are still in the process of fully investigating this matter. Ozaki County Circuit Court Judge Paul Malloy says in the current political climate and with the constant threat of mass shootings in American schools, this case is very different than it might have been in the past. The time when somebody can blow off steam and, and uh, have a meltdown, I think that bird has flown a long time ago. And uh, so it, it has to be taken seriously. Schroeder's next appearance in court will be on June 22nd at 3 p.m. In Port Washington, Frank Healy, CBS. All right. Menace to society, folks. Um, well, I mean, and again, track record shows that uh, many of these people, they, they draw it themselves and make it up, you know, kind of thing. Uh, even And even if someone did, these are gags or, you know, kids are, are like, you know, because you're not allowed to do it. That's that's why they do it. That's how these things work, right? So I don't know. Who knows what the severity of the... <laughs> of course, it doesn't justify his behavior, obviously, but I'm just saying, like... Even if it's real, doesn't justify it. But the chances are it's not even real. So I'm saying it's it's a completely just like hyped up reaction, which is a hysterical reaction to something which is like, how does this really hurt you? <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, but anyway, so uh, that's what you get now. Before we get into uh, Tucker here, it's uh, important news here from Bill Crystal. Check this out. Uh, of course, one of the uh, one of the OG neocons. This guy, right? <clears throat> Speaking of. Uh, Hundred percent true uh, testimony and stories here, folks. A friend called last night to say he's seen in his middle class suburb examples of racism and bigotry of a kind he hasn't seen before. Certainly not not out in the open. My friend is in no way an alarmist. But he's alarmed by what's been unleashed in this country. So I'm alarmed. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? Uh, we talk about racism. Willie, little Willie Crystal. Uh, this is, of course, what he said not too long ago. Look, to be totally honest, if things are so bad, as you say, with the white working class, don't you want to get new Americans in who aren't going to be... I'm serious. You can make a case that um, this is going on too long and this is too crazy, probably. And I hope this thing isn't being like, you know, videotaped or ever shown anywhere. My whatever tiny pathetic future I have is going to be totally collapsed. You can make a case that America has become has been great because every every I think John Adams said this at the beginning, right? Basically, if you're in a free society, a capitalist thriving society, after two, three, four generations of hard work, everyone becomes kind of decadent, lazy, spoiled, whatever. And then you luckily, you have these waves of people coming in from Italy and Ireland and Russia and now Mexico who really want to work hard and really yeah, want to from, succeed. Uh, <clears throat> coming from Italy, Russia and Ireland, is, it, it's totally comparable uh, from like South America or Sub-Saharan Africa or even certain Asian countries. And com completely comparable. No differences whatsoever. They really want their kids to live better lives than them and aren't sort of clipping coupons or hoping that they can hang on and oh my god oh they're clipping 
These lazy white people are clipping coupons to survive. <laughs> Let them eat cake, Bill. We'll Little Willie. Spoiled kids and so forth. So in that respect, spoiled I don't know why kids. This moment is that different. What about your kids? From the early twentieth century or we, the mid-nineteenth century. Somebody else a chance to ask a question. I at this know, point. Know. <laughs> don't you want to rebut me briefly, though? You want to say, yeah. no. It's like Paul Krugman, right? The the real problem is the is the white working class, right? These the crazy rural white Americans. That's that class. That that's these kinds of people, right? Those are the, the Paul Krugmans go on and write articles in the New York Times about how oh it was these oh it was these uh, these uh, Gentiles uh, who manipulated all the neocons to to invade Iraq. We had nothing to do with that. Man, I was watching yesterday a, a fascinating documentary. I remember hearing about it. Right, the art project in the buildings. Uh, speaking of uh, invasion of Iraq uh, and what triggered that, and neocons and all that shit that happened uh, in the wake of all that. Uh, gelatin. Um, the the B thing that uh, the art projects the the E team the B t team no the E no, sorry the B thing the E team and g gelatin uh, I'll sh I'll probably share that at some point it was a fascinating documentary about the the, the art uh, class who who set up this little it's uh, there's a part two to it and it's not out yet so I'll say where they go with it. But I, I assuming that, of course, these floors that were shut off that they were using for this art project was was partially because uh, because it was this exact same floors where the uh, where the plane flew into uh, the first plane. Uh, if you're a, if you're a planer uh, kind of kind of guy or gal, uh, but uh, anyway, fascinating. Uh, speaking of that, that's a that's a tangent for you, but uh, so something something else to that saga that I haven't followed uh, that uh, that that intensely, but a lot of lot of new material since I was like. You know, knee deep in 9/11 truth research, a lot of new things have, have actually come out. This was one of them. Maybe, maybe this is common knowledge to you guys out there, but I, I remember hearing about the art project, but like I, I didn't look detail into it. Uh, it was a thing an Austrian group, Gelatin, and then this Israeli group came in a after, or they were tied to the the B thing. Uh, they call it a B B thing because it was like a separate uh, art project in, in another part of the the building and stuff. Fascinating shit. Uh, definitely look into that. All right. So, let's talk about Musk uh, a little bit. Some of the comments. Uh, I don't trust him, and with this, see this his Trojan horse here with the CEO. That's it's of, of course not not good at all. And and he uh, kind of groveled in this interview. He's doing bad. He's doing good. He does this like okay, a couple of good things, and then has like a lot of bad things. You know, following his. I think he generally hand, uh, handled the, this this cringe gay journalist pretty good overall where he kind of puts him in his place in terms of like i talk about whatever i, I want to talk about it was just as why did you even have to go there with the the pro semi thing he, he's, he's seeking he he want, the interviewer wants you to jump through his hoops that's what this is about you need to come you're not an anti-semite are you the answer is just like what is it to you? I'm not going to obey. What, what are you? Are you setting up some rules here that I have to obey or jump through some kind of test or I have to prove something to you? Like, F you. Ask me a question. You know what I mean? But but he didn't say that. So it, it, listen to it. I, I think the, the clip, it, it ends well, right? He, he, come, he does a good comeback here, right? Of I'll say whatever the hell I want to say. But I think it's true that an Elon, Elon Musk is... Um, he knows what people he needs to appease to be in the position that, that he's in. L let me just put it that way. All right, here's the, the first clip. But 
how do you make a choice? You don't see, I mean, in terms of when you're going to engage. I mean, for example, even today, Elon, you, you, you tweeted this thing about George Soros. Oh, no. Well, I'm looking for The anti-Semitism is out of control. Because I want to make sure I quote it properly. But, I mean, you know what you wrote, but... You basically it reminds me of Magneto. It's just like, you know, calm down, people. This is not like made a, like a pivotal well, case s- out of it. You, also, you, know, <laughs> you said he wants to erode the very fabric of civilization and Soros hates humanity. Like, when you do something like that, do you Yeah, think I think about, that's true. That's my opinion. Okay, but why share it? Why share it? Especially because, I mean, why share it uh, when fuck people you, who buy Teslas speech. may that's not agree with you? Advertisers on Twitter may not agree with you. Ooh. Um, why not just say, hey, I think this. You can tell me. We can talk about it over there. You can tell your friends. But why share it widely? <laughs> tell your friends. I mean, I think yeah, Linda uh, Yaccarino will, will limit Elon's reach if he uh, goes on like this. Well, uh, I, this is freedom of speech. I'm allowed to say what I you want. You absolutely are. But I'm trying to understand why you do. Because you have to know it's got a... There, it, it puts you in, a, in the middle of a... The partisan divide in the country, it makes you a lightning rod for criticism. I mean, do you like that? I, you know, people today saying he's an anti-Semite. I don't... See, see how he, he, he tell... But why... Okay, well, you can, sure, you can feel these things, but just tell your close friends. Why do you, why do you have to say what you... What's the, what's the purpose of free speech? Some people, th- th- so here, here, here in the end, it is right now. It gets serious, right? Okay, we could talk about your sources, but but, but Elon, Elon, you, you're not you're not an anti-Semite, are you? Odd for criticism. I mean, do you like that? I, you know, people today saying he's an anti-Semite. I don't think you are. No, I'm definitely. I'm, I'm like I'm like a pro-Semite, <laughs> if anything. <laughs> I <clears throat> I believe that probably is the case. Yes. But why would you even introduce <laughs> the idea? I. I believe that probably is the case. <laughs> Says that the TV man. But he. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Why do you even begin with this stuff? You know, people today saying he's an anti Semite. I don't think you are. No, I'm definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm like, like, I'm like a pro Semite, <laughs> if anything. Like a pro Semite, <laughs> if anything. I, I believe that probably is the case. Yes. But- but why say anything? You can't say you can't say anything about George Soros, says the gay journalist. Why would you even introduce the idea then that that would be the, the case? I, I mean, look, we don't want to make this a George Soros interview. No, um, God, no. I don't. So, I don't want it at uh, all. But I'm what I'm trying. Even came up though in the annual meeting. I mean, you know, do you- does he have stocks in in Tesla or something like that? And he's like, you're by by saying by dropping George Soros, all the investors who uh, you know who. Of course, is that to what defend George Soros? I, I assume then are are, uh, are are they're worried? Elon uh, shares are going down. Like, what's your what's what's your interest? Do you have a dog in this fight, TV man? Like, what's going on here? He but he does a, good, a decent comeback here. I'll give him that much. As as bad as that was, and 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 unfortunately on that one issue, he had you have to you have to jump through that hoop. You know what I mean? I think he sincerely believes it, as the TV guy says as well, but uh, decent comeback. Let's check out the rest. Your tweets hurt the company. Are there Tesla owners who say, I don't agree with his political position because, and I know it because he shares so much of it. Or are there advertisers on Twitter that Linda Yaccarino will come and say, you got to stop, man. Or, you know, I can't get these ads because of some of the things you tweet. I like the long pause. 
You know, I'm reminded of uh, the, the, the scene in The Princess Bride. Great movie. Great movie. Um, Great movie. Where <laughs> he confronts the person who killed his father. And he says, Offer me money. Offer me power. I don't care. See, you just don't care. You want to share what you have to say? I'll say what I want to say, and if, 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 uh, if the consequence of that is losing money, so be it. Okay. All right, well, let's... I mean, that's good, right? But he's not a true believer in free speech. Otherwise, Jared Taylor would be back on Twitter. Even Alex Jones or Owen Schroyer, these guys would be back on uh, on Twitter, right? There's certainly others, too, that uh, goes unmentioned that have been, that have been banned and, and stuff like that. Uh, so I'm not trying to say it's all about them, right? But... Uh, so, so it's 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 a hardest guy. It's, sometimes I I, I I like him, and I was like, okay, that was a you know, he's it's good that he's. But this is also very, it's a very simple battle to take. It, it the bar is so low that it's very very little that you have to do to kind of like, oh, ooh, look at look at this guy. You know, he's the, he's he's talking back to the TV man. You know, kind of thing. So it's, it doesn't take much to like, and that's why, of course, so many of these, you know, con ink creatures, conservative ink have uh, they just they 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 think Elon is saving civilization by buying Twitter, right? Uh, and uh, oh, Linda Yaccarino is we, we have. I'll put up the segment later. We did we did a segment in Western Warrior that that extends beyond the the Trojan horse segment that we just put up about her, uh, but goes into her activism even more, right? We'll put that up there so you'll see it. But like, oh, she, oh, she follows libs of TikTok and 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 Pisobiac. So she's based, she's secretly, <laughs> secretly based. You know, kind of like the bar is so low. You know what I mean? It's so little that have to be done. So I don't trust Elon. I think he makes dumb mistakes. I don't. I think he's maybe he's sincere in terms of the things that he truly believe, which is something that you know I don't then share. Uh, you know, kind of thing. He's working with the towards the X app, the everything app, which will be a nightmare. His brain implant shit with Neuralink, his, his uh, uh, you know, the, the animal experiment stuff there. There's there's a bunch of shady stuff going on there. So I don't uh, trust him overall. Um, but occasionally, I, I still do enjoy seeing somebody just uh, base, the most basic level tier uh, smacking around some of these journalists a little bit. I just wish it didn't jump through the the the, the, the you know what hoop uh, right away. Um, now then, there's a, a second one here. Did we cue that in? Uh, let me see what we have that here, where he mentions. Let me see. Is it this one? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This one. So this is good too. This is a great follow up here. It's about the Allen, Texas shooter, right? Because of course he was a he's a white you know white supremacist, uh, whatever. So check this out. Musk doubles down on his claim that there's no evidence the Allen, Texas mall shooter had white supremacist beliefs, and that Bellingcat does psyops professionally. Yeah, that's literally what they do. Um, again, this is this is despite the, the the bad hoop jumping. This is good that it's coming out. Listen to this here. But. I mean, when you when you when you link but to somebody you who's make talking a choice. about the guy who you, know, you don't see. I mean, uh, in terms of oh, when sorry. you're going to engage. Alan, Texas. 
all right, all, all confused there a second. Hey, hang on. <laughs> Let me go back there. All right, here we go. Oh, I got the I got the wrong clip in. Let's try this again. Here we go. But I mean, when you when you when you link to somebody who's talking about the guy who killed children in a mall in in Allen, Texas, you can't talk about you, that. You say it's serious stuff, like it Elon. Might be a bad psyop. I'm not quite sure what you meant, but yeah, what do you? What can you? What I don't know what psyops oh, are. Uh, in, in that particular case, uh, there was. Uh, a uh, so, somehow that, that that's not 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 that the the the, the that the, the, the people people were killed, but the it was I think incorrectly ascribed to be a white supremacist action, um, and the evidence for that uh, was some obscure Russian website that no one's ever heard of that had no followers, um, and the, the the company that came, that found this is Bellingcat. Right. And do you know what Bellicat does? Psyops. Right. They do. I couldn't Media really psyops. even follow exactly what it was you were trying to express there, so that's in part why I was curious. I, the, the smart TV guy here, TV man, can't. I don't even. What What even is a psyop? I don't know what any of these things mean. Now, what about the shareholders, Elon? Are we gonna are we gonna get a return this quarter? I couldn't really even follow exactly what it was you were ooh, trying the, to express. Ooh, that. the smart TV man. He knows his shit. So that's in part why I was curious. I'm, but I'm saying that I thought this, the, 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 the ascribing it to white supremacy was bullshit. Okay. There you and, go. And, uh, Simple. And, and, and that the information for that uh, came from an obscure Russian website and was somehow magically found by Bellingcat. Of course. Which is a company that does psyops. Yes. And there's no proof, by the way, that he was not. There's no. I would say that there's no proof <laughs> wait, that he wait, is. There's no proof he's not. Yes, there are. There's there's proof he hated uh, white people. Here, here we are, right? <clears throat> Hispanic white supremacist. Thank you. We got this sent to us last show here, right? Someone uh, was it was it uh, Blacken or was it uh, Michael fifty seventy? I forget who said it, but thank you whoever sent it. Uh, mass shooter Mariko Garcia said white people are a race I don't like. There we go. That's your that's your white supremacy now. Now of course the the goalposts continue to move so they can wedge in uh, these disgusting psyop lies continuously. But this that's good that he's pointing that out. Good. Good, Elon. And that's a debate you want to get into on Twitter? Why not? Yes. Because we should not be ascribing things to white supremacy uh, if, if, if it's false. Good. Okay. Good. I, I, see, then I like him a little bit again. You know what I mean? It's fine. This is hard. It's hard. But again, it's just because the bar is so low. This, you'd think, would be like the anybody who is normal would have these kinds of positions. Like, yes, it's bad to shit on all the white people. Obviously, this is creating... Uh, problems for whites. There's a, a hatred against white people just because you're white. Uh, everyone thinks white supremacy is the biggest problem. You know, this of course comes in the wake of Bi Biden, Joe Biden going to Howard University. We played it in the Western Warrior Show, uh, talking about white supremacy is the biggest terrorist threat. Right? They got to keep that narrative going. And here, for for better, for you know, I mean, for the better. But I'm saying in terms of the guy that's doing it, because that's also then building trust among you know. People that are anti-establishment and, and dissidents and even nationalists, uh, which could be a which could at the end of the day be a be a bad thing. It could, it could be a, he Elon Musk might be the Trojan horse. You know what I'm saying? So, anyways, the bar is so low, but it's still but it's necessary that it's being said. So, anyway, so good good for him for saying it, right? But so yeah, 
Uh, mass shooter Marika Garcia said, white people are a race I don't like from uh, information liberation. You can go through the article. We don't have to go through this. The, the, uh, the statement is enough to understand. Oh, okay. All right. So this has nothing to do with white supremacy, right? So, of course, MSNBC have to bring this in uh, and say that, well, you don't have to be white. Uh, you can even, I guess you can even hate white people, not be white, and it's still white supremacy. There's a misconception that all white nationalists have to be white. But let's look at Hispanic <laughs> white nationalists like Proud Boys leader Enrique Tarrio and online political activist Nick Fuentes. What have you seen in regards to non-white people becoming advocates for white supremacist ideas? Uh, thanks so much for having me, Katie, on. It's uh, uh, having me on, Katie. It's great to be back. Um, yes, Goldsmith. The Latino identity, uh, the Hispanic identity, the Latinx identity is incredibly complex. It is not... <laughs> Uh, exclusively a race. It is not exclusively an ethnicity. It creates a lot of room Look at that for, uh, for extremist views like white supremacy. One of the, the phenomena that we've seen over, over uh, especially recent years is misinformation, disinformation, and um, radical narratives being pushed into uh, Spanish-speaking communities. Ah. So I let me get let me just take a wild guess here. We have to control and regulate the internet. And uh, anybody, when, whatever, whoever we say could be a white supremacist. They probably are. If we say that they are a white supremacist, in fact, any of their opinions can be upholding uh, white supremacy. You can have white nationalists putting white nationalist ideas uh, by non-white people who hate white people. It's amazing how that works. Incredible stuff. All right, <laughs> what, a, what a damn time, right? Archie says, uh, I hated George Soros before I learned that he was Jewish, but after learning that he's a Jew, now I am pro-Soros, not. I despise him despite his ethnicity, just like I despise self-hating whites, despite despite their race. Yes, it, it, this is not hard, right? It's not rocket science, that, that, that's right. Um, Unlike what Tucker said, right? Like, oh, you speak for me, oh, white identity is bad, you know, kind of thing. But it's it's the same thing that, like, with an Elon, like, will, will the real Tucker Carlson stand up? Can we actually know his opinions? Uh, if he has some piecemeal drip drip strategy or whatever to, to, to slowly radicalize people, oh, so dangerous, right? Basically means bringing people to normal positions, sensible takes on stuff. Uh, then that's good. I, I don't care. He doesn't have to come out blazing, you know, you know, fire off everything at once. Yeah, I don't need people to do that. It's fine. But it's just like, oh, that's Nazi ideas. It's like, just you don't have to. Don't. This is you're just using the same anti-white talking points that the left does, which you, you know, the woke people that you're supposedly against. Don't, don't even use it. Why even use it? Why? Why recognize? Uh, that their weapon against us holds any power overall. Just don't do it. But he does do that, and that's why that's dumb. Uh, you you can criticize these things in different matter, but but you know he made that straw man that that if someone's white, then oh that means that whoever whatever ideology that person has, he automatically talks for everyone else that's white. He's a representative of everybody that's white, you know kind of thing. Well, that's obviously no. If you have a self-hating anti-white person who's white. Uh, that no, we don't have anything in, in common mostly with them. Yes, we do share our race, you know what I mean? And uh, and if we could br bring them to sensibility, that, that would be great. But obviously with a lot of these people, that's that's not going to work, right? Uh, it, it's the straw man arguments all the time. Uh, they, they don't take the actual arguments of like looking at the necessity of the dangers that we face. Our people are 
being replaced, we're, we're going extinct slowly but surely, uh, our civilization is threatened, our children's future is threatened. It's hardly white people starting to op work together as a group that would be the, the, the biggest danger. In the it is to the elite though, so I understand why they're, why they're pushing back on this so hard. Uh, but um, from a normal, you know, sensible point of view, there, it's there's nothing that that's it, that's not dangerous. You know, what I mean, it, it isn't. It, it's it's dangerous to the establishment and the elite because they want to try to corral us up and 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 get us out of the picture. Because yes, occasionally historically we do, uh, we 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 become difficult to 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 pin down and maintain at times and so they don't like that they want to have consistency predictability and so these damn white people that occasionally rise up in in like nationalism or or want to try to throw off the shackles by i don't know do crazy things such as you know printing their own money you know stuff like that uh, we can't have that uh after the great reset uh, as we build this uh, new world order right so so get get rid of whites you know kind of thing. all right um, this was a good comment too. This is uh, exciting when a Elon Musk goes in this direction. Elon Musk said that the ADL should drop the A. So uh, the uh, Defamation uh, League, which of course would be uh, accurate. The Anti-Defamation League should just be called the Defamation League, according to Twitter CEO, for now, Elon Musk. ADL should just drop the A, Musk said Tuesday on Twitter after being smeared by the pro-Israeli lobbying group all day for criticizing Jewish billionaire George Soros. Uh, yes, here's from J Post. Netanyahu blames Soros for Israel anti-deportation campaign. Uh, Soros, who's Jewish, is a strident critic of Israel and has supported a number of NGOs with radical left-wing agendas. So is this why, is that his pro-Semite uh, text, though, that comes into the picture? He doesn't like Soros because he's anti-Israel and Elon is very pro-Israel. I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, it's, we don't have to overcomplicate this. Another person that uh, uh, goes on uh, on an attack on ADL is, is very good, right? Uh, the, it comes after the Soros reminds me of Magneto tweet that we just saw and talked about. So anyway, this is uh, this is good. Uh, this is uh, this is good that he's going in that direction, right? Yeah, here's Greenblatt, right? Uh, Soros often is held up by the far right using anti-Semitic tropes as the source of the world's problems. To see Elon Musk, regardless of his intent, feed this statement, comparing him to a Jewish supervillain. No one thinks of Magneto as that. It's it's a what I I saw the first X Men movie and it was like yeah, there's a brief portion at the beginning where you see the guy who later becomes Magneto. Is it like you know? Well, weren't they both right? The what was the other guy's name? But they were both like Holocaust survivors. There's something like that. I think. But anyway. Uh, maybe that comes up later in the movie. I didn't see the the, the continued circus with with X Men, but. Um, anyway, so to Jonathan Greenblatt, uh, Magneto then is a, is a Jewish supervillain claiming Soros hates humanity. I thought, wasn't Magneto the... What's the other guy in the wheelchair's name? See, I don't... I don't follow this shit. I thought, wasn't... The guy in the wheelchair was the good one, but that's not Magneto then? No, that, that's right. No, no, Magneto is... Uh, that's right. Okay, never mind. I'm, I'm, I'm a boomer on the fucking Marvel shit. I don't even watch it. Uh, it's it's not just distress. Okay, so, okay, so he is a Jewish supervillain then, uh, according to Green, Greenblatt here. Um, uh, claiming that Soros hates humanity. It's not just distressing, it's dangerous. It will embolden, embolden extremists who already contrive anti-Jewish conspiracies and have tried to attack Soros and Jewish communities as a result. 
And then he links to his uh, his blog there on uh, ADL, uh, the Defamation League's website. All right. Um, most cases when normie cons, uh, uh, you know, criticize Soros, isn't it one of the main issues that they criticize him for is because he supposedly worked with the, uh, the Nazis, you know, kind of thing. Um, I think that whole thing is way overplayed. But regardless, he's George... George Soros is not a national socialist. You know what I mean? No matter what he happened to do when he was five years old, he what he got off on on working with uh, confiscating people's stuff or something like that. Well, that's what he's continued to do. That's just his personality. You know what I mean? He might he might not ha- put that you know front and center right now, uh, but at the end of the day, I think that's why a lot of you know conservatives attack him. Like, oh, he's horrible on Israel. You know, kind of thing. So it all devolves down into that every time, right? It has to be that. It has to be about Israel. Everything. Okay. Um, let me see. We're up for time here. Pagan Bear earlier says, uh, "Support what you uh, like in a way you can." Everyone here, there are 175 watching on Odyssey. Thanks for the show, Henrik. Thank you. Appreciate that, Pagan Bear. Uh, that's uh, that's kind of you. Let's. Uh, yeah, and I know. Uh, I know Entropy has to double uh, the two authentication. A lot of people don't like that. So if you want to use Rumble or Odyssey as a backup, if you want to, you know, connect. Uh, and super chat there, you can do that. Uh, but apparently, they're working on removing that if people are not comfortable with that, which uh, which I totally understand. It's not a problem. Uh, Lycan Warrior says on entropy, uh, weird how Joe Brandon is complaining uh, so much about white supremacy on the presidential pulpit, almost like he's trying to promote some insidious agenda, propaganda, and gaslighting people. Uh, this is just getting too crazy. LOL. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's talked, man, decades now he's been like that. Oh, we're being replaced, white people, and it's the greatest thing ever, you know, kind of thing. Um, he has, he has, there's not much left with that guy. Let me play a little bit of the uh, Tuberville thing. Now, he came up yesterday, we recorded uh, Gregory Hood, uh, planning on having that up tomorrow, two-part show. Check out the full show, RedEyesMembers.com. Uh, great show, by the way. Greg, Gregor Hood is a, is a great author. Uh, writes a lot of good pieces for Amron and Vidar and stuff like that. Uh, and we didn't play. We might. I might insert it and post. I'm not sure yet. But let me play a little bit of that. It's okay to repeat things and and, and do things a couple of times. Um, just to, the craze. Speaking to your comment, they're like into that like this insane. You know, like everybody's a white nationalist. Oh, they're admitting they're white nationalists. Blah blah blah. Without recognizing that, of course, that they've turned up the the, the heat on this issue. They've they've moved the goalposts. Like everybody um, who doesn't obey is is a is a white supremacist slash white nationalist. Uh, and MSNBC covered this because the guy said, "Well, you you guys are calling everybody a white nationalist." He said, "They're not." Uh, but you know, you saying n- normal Trump supporters or whatever are white nationalists, and it's like, yeah, I wish, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Uh, but they were they went cuckoo uh, over this issue. This is an Alabama senator, I believe. Check this out. We are losing in the military so fast. Our readiness in terms of recruitment, and why? I can tell you why. Because the Democrats are attacking our military, saying we need to get out the white extremists, the white nationalists, people that don't. Don't believe in in our agenda as as uh, Joe Biden's agenda. Uh, they're destroying it. You mentioned the Biden administration trying to prevent um, white nationalists from being in the military. Do you believe they should allow white nationalists in the military? Well, they call them that. I call them Americans. For the record, that's a yes. 
Hi again, everybody. It's five o'clock in New York. What is today's Republican Party, right? What does it stand for? What does it really believe in the year 2023? That's what. Standing up for white nationalists, not just standing up for them, saying they belong in the military. They're, quote, I call them Americans, They're just like everybody else. White nationalists, just like any other ideology. It's a Republican sitting senator defending the people who FBI Director Chris Wray says make up the largest bucket of the FBI's domestic terrorism cases. So in case you didn't recognize the face or the voice, we'll fill it in. It's Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville during a radio interview last week. He immediately sought to clean it up. I guess you can call it that. His spokesperson said that the senator was being skeptical of the notion that there are white nationalists in the military, not that he believes that they should be in the military. Although, as you heard with your own ears, that is not at all what he said. Tuberville made the comments in the context of talking about the need to strengthen the country's military. And today, when asked by our colleague, Julie Serkin, to clarify his comments about white nationalists in the military, here's what Tuberville said. Sir, if there are folks with white nationalist beliefs, of which there are in this country, unfortunately, do you believe they should be serving in the military? Uh, we got to define that first. What is a white nationalist? Someone who propagates Nazism, someone who doesn't believe that black and brown you people think are equal. white nationalist is a, is, a, is a Nazi? Right. Well, that is one of their beliefs. But why do you use that term, though? I don't look at it like that. I don't, How do you look at it? I look at a white nationalist as a, as a, a Trump Republican. See, well, why didn't you say they're a Nazi then? Like, what? What's the what's the purpose of the term? You're using all these other terms, but now, no, they're racist. Oh, no, they are a Nazi. No, they're a white supremacist. Now, technically, they're a white nationalist. You see what I mean? He says, "Well, it's all that's all the same garbage kind of thing." Well, why didn't you say then? Because he didn't say. I think I think Nazis should. That's what he's doing here, of course, Tuberville is pointing out how ridiculous it is that they're attacking actual normal white Americans who are in the military or the police force or whatever it is, right? It was this news piece a while back. We got to purge you know, white nationalists. And everybody who don't agree with their AIDS politics is a white nationalist, according to these people. So, of course, he's firing back at that. And they're pretending that they don't understand what he... Oh, he's admitting that all the normal Americans out there are white nationalists. And it was like... Well, I, I wish that's, I wish that's true. It would be a se- more sensible place, I think. Overall, I don't think I think if, if there's that many white nationals out there, uh, white nationalists out there, I don't think you would see the border invasion currently uh, as you do. You know, kind of thing. Um, but this is how low the bar is, and and how they try to gaslight people uh, into putting words in this guy's mouth. Um, Anyway, let's let's keep listening. It's a, the the way that this segment, what it builds up to here, too, it's it's fascinating. That's what we're called all the time, a mega person. That's what Do I'm you just. Do agree that, with that, that well, assumption? Yeah, I agree that we should not be characterizing Trump supporters as white nationalists. See, so he's he's saying no. That's we shouldn't do that. That's bad because white nationalism is, is bad. You know, kind of thing. So he's not saying what they claim that he's saying. So, but even with that, they build a. I forget what the. Oh, I get it. There's a saying, right? You build a, a mound out of a <laughs> dirt pile, or what is that? You build a mountain out of a dirt mound, something like that. You know, out of nothing, essentially, they're building a, an entire show over this one, <laughs> over this one comment. 
It's hard to discern whether it is his stupidity or his embrace of white supremacy that is more alarming at this point. A sitting GOP senator hurting our national security and standing up for, in his own words, Trump supporters who are white. Yeah, mountain out of a molehill. Thank you, uh, Crisby on Rumble Chat. That's right. This <laughs> is where we begin the hour. You can't make it up. Wow, I, I just, I, I almost have no response to Senator Tuberville's comments because if it, if it wasn't so gravely serious, it would be comical. You, you'd see it in a skit. He can't actually understand or explain what a white man. <laughs> this is, this is the Frank Ugly Uzi. He's literally, he's the guy who's like, let's entrap more young white guys. Let's, uh, let's do sting operations and let's, let's unfairly uh, put place them in situations so we can arrest them and put them in jail for things they never did. That's this guy. says other than to say that's me. That's my party. And I, I, don't, I really think his he didn't say that. He said you're accusing them of being white nationalists. Staff is going to take him aside and say, hey, whoa, 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 time out. Let's talk about what, what night white nationalism is. But I, I want to talk about his statement with regard to the, the strong efforts in the military from uh, Secretary of Defense Austin to ferret out uh, as, a, as gatekeeping functions white nationalists coming in and then call them out when they're identified for their hatred and and violent tendencies inside the military because it's an it's really something that needs to keep happening and the problem with senator terrible's statement and even nicole his office's uh second statement which was an attempt to pull it back they're both problematic here's why terrible says first um i i don't call those folks in the military who are white nationalists, white nationalists, I call them Americans. So that means um, it's okay. Yeah, Americans good. So therefore they're all okay. Second statement, kind of a retraction that wasn't, was no, no, no. What he meant to imply was he doesn't even think there are any white nationalists inside the military. Either way, we have a senator who won't support the secretary's efforts to remove or mitigate white nationalism inside our military very problematic that this person is a senator probably should have stuck to the x's and o's in division one football he was pretty good at it but clearly this requires more brain power than he's capable oh just call him uh, stupid. putting out yeah yeah oh and, look and at I mean, this look at this stupid southern man who doesn't know shit that, that's the, the, always the same uh with these people here's some what is some new york italian well i, I think it's technically he's in arizona or whatever but you know what i mean it's like Every time it's the same. Uh, he's not stupid. He's very astutely pointing out that they're smearing normal, regular uh, conservatives with patriots. And also, his point was, this is bad for the military. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if like if that undermines that entire machine, I think that's that's good, you know. Um, overall, if that helps, but 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 look what they've done right with the military recently. Go, you know, put, prioritizing trans people. They had that the trans spokesperson recently. We we exposed that and talk about that person. And they're pivoting towards like the most fringe, small minority groups. And all of a sudden, they find themselves in a recruiting crisis. In other words, normal, even if they're not conservative or or lean, you know, right wing, or or de- certainly not that they're like white nationalists or anything like that. Just normal, regular white guys. Uh, and gals, I guess, too, don't want to go join the military. What is it? What's left? What's the purpose, right? And, and of course, Tuberville is, is bringing attention to this. Like, maybe we shouldn't call them all Nazis and then say that that's bad and then try to purge them all from, 
from the military. Like, I think that's bad for us. And But then they claim, no, he's holding back the military. He's de- He wants to have white nationalists and national socialists in the military. He's a, he's a threat to national security. That's actually the argument that they're making here. Dumbasses. I, I agree with that completely. Um, but I don't want to let, you know, I feel like we covered Don, we, I, won't, I won't impugn anybody else. The stupidity defense is inadequate at a moment when in the words yeah, it's of not a good enough. Republican senator, she doesn't say it's incorrect. nationalism, it's, not it's good Trump enough. Republicans. And she says, no, it isn't. It's a Nazi sympathizer. I mean, someone showed what this man what what's, um, what's up with the use serious. of the word? What's, what's, why do you use... To, why do you have three different terms to, to describe the same thing? It doesn't make sense. They, they, they whip them out in different, you know. <laughs> anyway, look, this guy is just, look at this sad testicle. When you have a Republican-appointed FBI director who says the greatest threat to the homeland is domestic violent extremism fueled by an ideology of white supremacy, you have a sitting Republican senator who says, no, I call those Trump Republicans. I want to play. It's, Repe- it's not- repeating it makes it true. Do you see how that works? Repetition, repetition, repetition. That's the name of the game of the media. That is the, in many cases, that is the psyop. Just repeat it enough. Have different persons come in and say the same things over and over. That, you know, partially why they freaked out so much about Trump's town hall. And we, we didn't play any clips from that yet, whatever. I did watch it. It was, it was mildly entertaining, whatever. But what the media really shit their pants about was over the fact that they also had an audience there to kind of back them up. You see, it's always about like popularity, whether someone says something and then a majority of people laugh, right? That's why they have, obviously, you guys know this, like laugh tracks on sitcoms and stuff. It's the it's the cue to tell you, oh, oh, oh we think, oh, this is funny. We're, we're laughing now, you know, kind of thing. It's a very powerful instrument to use you know laughter or or having multiple voices saying the same thing agreeing right uh, agreeing with each other Pe- peer pressure that's essentially what it is um that's why they repeat these things over and over and she thinks that makes it true uh when of course they blatantly lie and misrepresent what he said not new but this is mark milley having to defend himself for wanting to understand white supremacy and white rage remember this i want to understand white rage and i'm white and I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America? What caused that? I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that, because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders, now and in the future, do understand it. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read, I've read Karl Marx. I've read have. Lenin. Really? That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong with understanding? Having some... Well, you're not just under, trying to understand something. You're now actively working to purge people that you have misrepresented at, as white nationalists in the military. And you continue to underline the lie that white supremacy is somehow the biggest terrorist threat to the United States, which is a, it's a damn joke at this point. Uh, this guy is a farce and a, and a travesty. To to <laughs> he's, he's sitting with the, with all these medals here, you know, all these uh, high uh, high it's, it's, uh, high brass. You know, what I mean, uh, these guys are just a joke. Remember the CRT, the CRT stuff? He was like, oh, that's uh, w- yeah, we're reading the CRT uh, literature right now. Ooh. Situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend. Wanting to understand them and want- the country we are here to defend. These people have done more collectively through their ideology and their decisions 
to undermine the security and the safety of America than anyone else I can think of recently, collectively speaking, not just Milley, but I'm saying the ideology that they represent and those that they've allowed to be kind of, they've been led around around the nose, right, by those people who, who pull the strings. Um, that's creating division, that's creating terrorism, that's creating violence, that's creating problems, that's undermining the country economically. It, it, it's a full-on assault. It's an ongoing war, not just on white people, but on, on Western civilization in and of itself. And these people are now generals in that war. And they think this is totally normal and, and good. Wanting to understand them because they're in our country and they're in our military enraged the right. And it feels like this is the bookend to that. This is the why, right? Because we are them, they are us. Well, know thy enemy. I mean, that's like a basic military strategic doctrine, right? Everybody knows you're supposed to understand it. And the Defense Department has said consistently that violent white extremists are one of, if not the greatest threat to our national security. That's established. <laughs> if Senator Tuberville wants to read something other than a football playbook, it should be the defense doctrine, the defense assessments that continue to underscore this 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 threat. Do you see how this, what is happening? You, terrorism, international terrorism. It's these other countries that want to, you know, a, a, a bow, bow down to central bankers you know all this stuff like now it's just full-on like no it's our own population that's the biggest threat the military is being turned inward it's incredible that they're admitting internally this. that's a bigger threat frankly than anything overseas because if you want to understand white rage all right last uh, comment here from this guy this is incredible too because they do, they've just talked about undermining obviously it's ca causing in certain national you know security issues right that, that this is causing uh, you know, problem this for the stability of the country. Now, listen to the beyond the first comment he says, which is ridiculous of of white supremacy, even without white people, which is picking up on what the MSNBC crew talked about earlier uh, about how you know non-whites are now also white supremacists. But the second comment of that, where he basically says. He basically says we need to tear it all down. The rod is so deep; all these institutions have to go. That is not undermining. America. That is not undermining uh, national security. L listen to what he says here. This is an incredible thing that they just let go. They see white, angry white supremacists as them. Trump Republicans is what Tuberville said. Where do we go from here? Well, this is why I've been trying very hard not to label what they're doing as anti-wokeness. It is pro-white supremacy and white nationalism. <laughs> yeah, according to them. I wish it was pro-white. That's the other thing I forgot to mention earlier about Elon, which is so obvious, right? What would have happened? Damn it, I didn't mention that at that time. What would have happened if somehow the discussion was about anti-white versus pro-white and Musk said, I'm pro-white? No one's going to flinch over the fact that he says in this interview that he's pro-Semite. And, and you can be that, we're fine, whatever, you know what I mean? But imagine if he said that he was pro-white would have happened. Everybody knows this. I made this point on Telegram and Twitter earlier. Everyone know, everyone knows that, that there's one group that you cannot be pro, you cannot be for them, you cannot want to have, you cannot have well wishes for this one group. Isn't that incredible? But in this case, no one will talk about it. Anyway, back to the, the lunatic guy talking about, you know, white supremacy without white people here. Yeah. Plain and simple. And what's interesting, I always go to and think about the Tuskegee Airmen in moments like this. Oh, we talk of about course. the military. Because these are men. Straight to my race, straight to my people. He, look, he should be able to do that. But it's always the same, right? It's like, oh, here's something that's detrimental to my race, my people, therefore attack it kind of thing, right? But we're not granted that same 
space. We, we're not, we don't have the right, essentially, to do that same thing. But we need to begin doing that. Not give a shit about these people. I wish Elon Musk said pro-right, pro-white. I'm pro-white. <laughs> Man, that would have been awesome. A Tucker should come out, too. It's a difference. We talked with Greg about this. You can po- you are allowed to a certain extent to point out anti-whiteness, but what you can't do is to then go to the logical conclusion to that, which is, well, if you're not anti-white, you're you're pr- presumably pro-white. At least if you point it out, you could be, I guess, indifferent to a certain extent. To, oh, I don't see race, I don't care, whatever. But the one thing you can't be pro is white. You cannot be pro-white. That's the problem. That went uh, overseas and defended their country, but came home to experience segregation and discrimination. So who are the real Americans here? The uh, the men who went and defended the values of America or the people who have upheld segregation? So who's the, here we go. Who's the real those white people uh, that died fighting uh, the the Nazis and Germany in this useless brotherly war, whatever it is, what it is, they wouldn't see that. That's not good enough. See, they're the white supremacists now, um, and they're not the real Americans. That's what this guy is saying. White supremacy when they came back uh, from from their tour, um, according to Senator Tumbleville, it would be those they, segregationists. They, they, they went be- over there. To, to, to die, to, to have the threat of death put upon it, being as close to death as they possibly were in their entire lives, right? For duty and honor and standing up for values and whatever, the republic or democracy, whatever they've actually pushed on them back then, right? To defeat fascism, the greatest evil ever, and, and Nazism. So that they could come home and do the very things that they supposedly went to war for, risking their lives so they could eradicate those things white supremacy right high just glorious iq levels on this guy those white nationalists so he in my view has already a very skewed view of what an american really is the jamaican in me would say this is pure foolishness uh but if you zoom out from that asinine statement it is incredibly dangerous because it reminds that white supremacy exists even when there are no white people in the room there we go there it is there it is, right? It's it's which me which what what does that mean? That means that even if they get their way, which is to exterminate white people, eradicate them, replace whatever method you have to use, right? Shame them out of existence, uh, uh, give them such bad self-esteem in terms of the racial group that hopefully they just go and mix out that they don't have kids that look like them because they're ashamed of being who they are. Even if that's the only method they achieve, that they will do it that way. If it's about replacing people, that's what they'll do. If, if it's, I think at some point it will be just openly like a campaign against, uh, uh, openly like a war, like an actual physical, like, okay, here's white people, let's hunt them down kind of campaign eventually at some point, if this insanity continues, right? Even 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 that, uh, I forgot my train of thought there, but um, let, let me back up, see what he's <laughs> I'm talking too much here. Let's listen to the last comment he said again. Because it reminds that white supremacy exists oh, yeah, yeah. even when there are no white people in the room. Okay, that's right. So, okay, that, that's, that was my point. Even if you ext- remove white people, there will still be the edifice of white supremacy in place. And anybody, no matter what race they are, could potentially uphold that. That means even like the the infrastructure, if you will, of, of government systems, of, of groups, of agencies of authorities is white supremacy. So what's the logical conclusion? Well, as he said, as I'll get to, 
tear it all down. Tear it all down. D d destroy all of it is what he's in a roundabout way saying here as the last comment. But no one is challenging him on this, on the fact that he is now a, a, a force for chaos, encouraging, presumably, how do you otherwise destroy it or dismantle something, right? A, a violent, a violent overthrow of the values, even. As we're saying, the values are white supremacy. The food that we eat is white supremacy. The thinking is white supremacy. The brown person who's acting in a white way is white supremacy. <laughs> So there's only one logical conclusion, which is the, the the elimination of all of it and destruction of all of it. But that's not that's not you see that's not a danger. That's not causing division or insecurity in the country or destabilization. You see, no, no, no. Check out this last comment. And if you look at all of our institutions, if you look at everything that that we engage in, from the kind of food that we eat, from the way we worship, from the language we speak, there is white supremacy uh, as a thread through all of that. And so that's why so many young people right now are talking about this abolitionist framework, because there's no sense reforming the system when you have members of the Senate in the system uh, moving the levers of power who are going to continue to do that almost unchecked. So rather than reform it, maybe this is an opportunity, as you're, as you're sort of alluding to, that this may be a moment where we say, you know what, this entire system is broken beyond repair and we need to find a way to free ourselves from it if we're going to move forward. Yeah, liber they need to be liberated from the entire structure, presumably of what government, management, authorities, and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, but that's fine. No, that's uh, he's cool saying that. That's a, okay, cool, bro, cool take, you know, brother. That's that's an excellent idea. But see, that's therefore then not a terrorist threat. That's not a danger to the country or to the because what what are they they're not defending the people anymore so presumably all that's left is to protect the piece of paper and and government agencies i would assume that that's basically what it is well he just said tear it all down because all that's white supremacy too then you have this this issue right last little thing on this segment here i'm going to talk about the birth rates next as the last topic here before we round up for today but this is this is kind of interesting here um this is from a while ago, right? This is after Trump was elected. This is after Charlottesville, a month after. Many Americans have more in common with white nationalists than they think. Poll finds. Now you could now you could argue this is a little bit then that the left are usually more honest, at least on some of these kinds of topics. The conservative won't recognize that to a certain extent, although they on some issues might might agree more than they think, right? With someone who's because a a, a crazy thing happens. When you stop mischaracterizing some of these political ideologies and smears and actually tell people calmly and rationally what you actually, you know, view, whether you call yourself a white nationalist or not, you know, many people are like, yeah, that sounds sounds sensible. Th basic things such as like, should we be able to control our borders? Should we limit immigration? Should we, you know, should, should some of these crazy cultural Marxist things be pushed back against and restored? Like, And many people agree with that. That's what's so interesting and maybe maybe that's an underpinning a little bit to why they're so scared and why they need to purge in other words in other words I mean, a long-winded way of saying maybe they're slightly closer to the truth than the other side are on this issue with where they've realized that just normal people actually are more aligned with some of these supposed extreme ideas now they're not actually extreme they're, they're as i said normal rational 
you know, sensible positions that basically goes down to self-preservation. The other side wants to, of course, eliminate us. We can't have self-preservation. But every other people out there have these tenants, right? They stand up to these. They, they think this is logical for their people. It's only white people who can't have it. A study says that 24 million Americans have alt-right beliefs. What does that number mean? Vox study, 11 million white Americans think like the alt-right. See, this is fascinating here, right? One in 10 says it's acceptable to hold neo-Nazi views. Poll. Now, of course, that's, again, mischaracterization or whatever, right? But no, they think uh, white nationalism is neo-Nazism. So the, but, but why do you use diff two different terms? But anyway, I'm beating a dead horse at this point. Um, so that's fascinating. Right? Has that gone a little bit bad? This is like, as I said, 2017. This, but this is even, this is after like, this is like after Charlottesville, which is like the height of kind of the attack on like white people being organized, you could say, to certain, uh, with, with the exception of J6, I guess, to a certain extent, although that wasn't, of course, uh, anything to do with racial, but it's essentially white conservative Americans being blamed for that, right? Um, so that's interesting. But, but, just know this, that these people are, they're insane and they're crazy. And we have to continue to expose them and point them out and show our fellow brothers and sisters who agree with us and should agree with us. And even if they don't agree with us, we should show them and try to awaken them to this idea and get them over to our position and show them that we're the sensible ones. We're the normal ones. We're the ones who actually want to have order. We want to be able to ensure that our children have a future, right? We're, we're not the insane lunatic um, terrorists here. We're not the ones tearing everything down. Um, I know some of you might, and I get that, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. We have to say we have to say that openly. <laughs> I'm just saying we just we're we're we we regardless of whether you take the current systems in place that you want to preserve or improve those or alter those or change those. I'm saying at the end of the day, I think most of us want to have something that works, regardless of what that is. If that's a new version of something or, or built from scratch, whatever. Um, and, and in a way, that's like, that's what they're afraid of. Because it is chaos and disorder and destruction. That is their, that, that's the playbook. That's the name of the game. They don't care about building up something. And we'll make that point continue tomorrow with, uh, with Gregory Hood. You should check out the interview. Uh, very good stuff. We have uh, Ryan Triple G. Hello, Henrik. Hey, Ryan. Thank you. Appreciate that uh, 1488 donor, sir. Very kind of you. Let me check if we're caught up. I want to cover cover just the birthrights thing as a last topic here today. And because um, it's interesting, right, in terms of where things are, are going now. Uh, so we have a couple of reports we can look at real quick here, or a couple of quick stats, really. We don't have to be too long-winded about it. We know where this is going. But we're we're about to be living on a in a world that is going to have if if tre current trends continue a lot less you know urban sprawl and and endless developments and and mega cities in them and stuff like that uh, i personally at the end of the day think this is a this is a good thing uh, but yes it also means a decline we've kind of we've we've ticked a step into this direction first here uh, as westerners as as white people generally um of european descent um this is a story that talks about this, the mystery of the declining U.S. birth rate. Now, of course, people will 
tie in other things here. Yes, it's it's the vax, it's uh, health issues, it's uh, people want to have the, the propagandized into having less kids, it's more uh, LGBTQ people out there now. They can't have kids, all these reasons, right, kind of thing. And I think they're all valid. I think it all makes 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 sense, right? But there's an overall trend that have been ongoing for decades in many of our countries, right? Which essentially, essentially, as we can figure it out so far, modernization. Is, is it a... Is that a failure of government? Of course. Are there things they could have done to actually improve the conditions and have more family-friendly type, you know, uh, systems or, or or aid or help or things like that? 100%, right? But, but then you have that contradiction, right? Well, they're importing people as an excuse because we're, de- we're in a declining number. So they want more people, but they just refuse to do those things, although it would probably be less costly to help the people that are already in our countries to have more children, as opposed to importing people that then become you know, a drain on the system. And given enough exposure in our countries, they also start having less and less children. So you might, you might have that first-generation Somali family that, like, yeah, they have seven or ten kids, and that's even how they sustain themselves. It was a story in Sweden about a Somali family that basically supported themselves by having more children. Sweden is essentially like a breeding colony for non-white populations. We're saying, come in here, you get more money. Then, of course, we as, as, as Swedes, we say, oh, no, it's too hard. or you know, we, And that's certainly true to a certain extent because we have to work as well. Many of these people that come in, they're unemployed. They just go on the dole and they just figured, oh, we have another child. We get, uh, I don't even know what it is now, five, six, seven, is it more? 800 crowns uh, you know, a month for another child. It was a journalist. Um, um, Joachim Lamotte, who in- interviewed one uh, one Somali father, right, and he admitted this. He just said, like, yeah, we're like, this is how we support ourselves. We just we have more kids. I think they had ten or something like that. It's a breeding colony. But my point is, even that second or third generation from that, they they will probably have less kids as well. It's it's a universal drop. We have gone first, and it's dropping the most among white people. For, we're dropping first, but some of the other groups. Like uh, take Mexicans or even other some South Americans, or as we'll look in a moment, some African countries, they're declining faster than white people were, which is which is interesting. So there's also other things going on here. Up until the Great Recession, the number of babies born per woman in the United States had been quite stable for the previous three decades. The birth rate fluctuated within a relatively narrow range, often along with economic conditions, with fewer babies born during lean times and with births recovering when economic growth was stronger. However, the U.S. birth rate has fallen precipitously since 2007, the Great Recession, with no signs of reversing. This decline cannot be explained by demographic, economic, or policy changes. It is reflective of lower childbearing rates across successive cohorts. And of course, feminism, women's rights, abortion, like, I mean, there's all these things. It's not just the one issue here. Telling people that they they they, they suck, <laughs> whatever th- that their life is. If their life is miserable, it's probably less likely they want to have something that yes, at times is is very hard. It gives you purpose and it's lovely. But if you don't have children yet, you look you just look at the movies, right? It's depicted in magazines and stuff. Oh, the child-free life is being promoted on psyop TikTok all the time, right? Uh, what was the term? Tick ticks or bricks or kicks or something? I forget what it was. Bicks. I forget. Uh, dual no dicks or something. <laughs> something like that was dual income, no kids. 
Dink, dinks, that's it. That's it. Right, close enough to dinks. Dinks, I think. <laughs> dinks. Dual income, no kids, I think was the term, right? That's like, if they, oh, look at, look at my latest iPhone, and I can just go to this cool hipster uh, coffee shop here in, uh, you know, whatever the hell that district in New York is called. You, you know what I mean? Like, they're doing videos about that, and TikTok, of course, is pushing it to the forefront, running their PSYOP campaign. So it's declining in the U.S. It's declining in Europe. Fertility in Europe, which countries have the highest and lowest numbers, uh, numbers of live births per woman. And it's the same there. Fertility rate in the EU increased, increased by 8% over the last two decades, but the number of children being born has started to gradually fall. More than 4 million babies have been born in the European Union every year in the last three decades, but these numbers are showing a downward trend. Again, in spite of immigration and even high birth immigrants that they're importing, right? In 2021, 4 million 90,000 uh, babies were born. This is the second lowest figure since 1960. The lowest figure was recorded in 2020 when 4,070,000 babies were born or 70,000 uh, babies were born. The fertility rate, which reflects the number of live births per woman, has changed remarkably across European countries in the last 20 years. It decreased in 11 of the 27 EU member states between 2001 and 2021 in two decades. And then they go through which countries have the lowest and highest. And you can see them listed here. Uh, still not above replace. Not a single country is above replacement. France being the highest, surprised by that, but that's probably partially because they have so many damn Muslims in the country. You know, Czech Republic, Iceland, Romania, Ireland, Montenegro, Denmark, Turkey, Sweden, Slovenia, Slovakia, Netherlands, UK. You can see the rest uh, there. It goes down from there. Hungary. I mean, some some countries are really bad off. Look at Poland, 1.33. I thought this was the based Catholic country. Like, well, what happened? You know what I mean? And yes, I know it's abortion, left-wing activism and stuff like that, but man, Spain, holy shit, 1.2. Yeah, Malta, 1.13. Um, and then here's a graph with a stats of it too. Declining birth rates is happening all over the place, folks. Um... Fertility rates were as follows in other countries, 1.72 in Denmark, 1.7 in Turkey, that's not a European country, uh, 1.61 in the UK, 1.58 in Germany, and 1.35 in Portugal. But yeah, there's France, uh, Romania, fairly high, Iceland, good, good, good for the Icelandic. I don't think they have too much immigration. Maybe our hope is uh, Iceland, folks. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so we need to reach that uh, number two. But now to the other interesting fact, this is, of course, why... Some of the elites have said, well, that's why we need to import people. Here's a rem reminder about Jamie Drummond, who is the uh, co-founder of the One Campaign together with Bono. They're doing this because they're United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Many of those goals are about importing people into Western countries. But they're saying Africa is so youthful, right? This is what uh, that, that this is where our future lies. We're going to just import sub-Saharan Africans and we'll be golden. So listen to what he said here as a reminder. As Africa's population doubles, a lot of them, whatever the circumstances, will be coming to Europe. As economic migrants or as refugees, they will be coming. Many of them. And that is a good thing, because we will be senile. We will be senescent demographically. We will need their youthful energy to 
do stuff. That's just what the economic statistics tell you. Yeah, the, the economics. Data demands, you know, and demography is demands. The, the economic data demands this. this the mods, this commie is going to tell you what the economic data demands. Europe and Africa are going to have a very close 21st century. Yeah, so there he is. There he is. He, in 2015, Jamie, one and partners helped persuade world leaders to agree to the global goals for sustainable developments. Look at that. Isn't that fascinating? That's why I put the little logo next to him there on the far left in the picture next to Bono, Bono, Boner, whatever his name is. Well, it's declining faster than expected in Africa, too, according to recent demographic data. This is a good thing. It's this means we are in for a population decline. I've mentioned it before, barring some weird other anomaly, such as, I don't know, the government or some corporation starts producing humans in some lab somewhere or cloning kids or something. You know, what I mean, we could also get maybe, but this will take this will take time. I think long term, this is, a, this is why I think it's a good thing. Right. But. Even if super-based trad couples started having 10 to 15 kids each, like right now, there's still so many that have fewer that it wouldn't make up for it. But eventually, if that if that trend continues, I mean, not majority of people won't have 10 to 15 kids, but maybe we can have them have five or, or, or maybe six, at least four. You know what I mean? We can have most based, decent, good people, normal people, not non-AIDS people have four, five, or even six children per couple. That means a lot in the long run, right? That means we have an entire segment of the population in in the West, people of European descent, that at some point will begin to pick up those numbers again and will be able to compete, although we right now are a global minority. Why? Because it's declining in many, many other parts of the world as well. The world's peak population may be smaller than expected, the economist said here. New evidence suggests Africa's birth rates are falling fast. Now, they were hoping for this, right? Just like Jamie Drummond says. This is, we're, we're just looking to Africa. We're going to be import the third world, and things are going to be great. It's going to be, going to do wonders for the economy, folks. You know, kind of thing. That's what they, that's what they thought. Well, they might, they, they'll try, and they will certainly keep doing this for a little bit. But long term, that's not going to work either. It, it's evidence. Um, yeah, so they kind of talk about a, a personal story here of a, of a woman here who had 10 children. It's the will of God. Yeah, there you go. Oh, my God. Are they Christian, by the way? Are, are, are Christ, most Christians just say, yep, yeah, fine, bring them in. They're Christians. No problem. Let's replace them with uh, let's replace the whites with how many Christians are like that? Because that's a huge problem if they are. Oh, it's the will of God. I mean, oh, she's a good, godly, God-fearing woman. Bring her in. No, they can they can believe in their God over there. Okay, we don't need them in. But anyway, they go through here. Let me read. Um, yeah, so, such uh, stories of big families inform much of how the world thinks about sub-Saharan Africa, not just now, but over coming decades. At conferences and in cabinet meetings across the continent, politicians and policymakers fret about how to educate, employ, house and feed a population that the UN expects to grow at a breakneck speed from around 1.2 billion people now to 3.4 billion people by 2100 and their solution, bring them to the West. This is why we can't have that. This this is impossible. I, I mean, our country will collapse way before that. It will turn into Africa. That's just what it is, right? 
In southern Europe, populists stoke up fears that hundreds, well, they are coming. They're being invited, literally being invited by our activists. Stoke, stoke up fear. Yeah, well, you're inviting them. It's completely legitimate and founded. That hundreds of millions of Africans may try to cross the Mediterranean to escape poverty, war, or hunger. This is literally part of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Lift them out of poverty, bring them to the West. Across the rich world, environmentalists fear the impact. Yeah, where are they, by the way? They've been damn silent. Fear the impact on the climate and planet of an extra 2 billion people. Yes. Yet if you have noticed a wealth of new data that suggests that Africa's birth rate is falling far more quickly than expected. I read the exact same thing about Mexico maybe a year ago of shows. I brought that up in the Amron speech I did recently too. Though plenty of growth is still baked in, yeah, unfortunately this could have a huge impact on Africa's total population by 2100. It could also provide a big boost to the continent's economic development. We have, to, we have been underestimating what is happening in terms of fertility change in Africa. Um, Africa will probably undergo the same kind of rapid changes as, as East Asia did. And then they go through some of the numbers, how many millions and billions and blah, blah, blah. So look, it's still kind of out of control, to be honest. Like, we can't take care of this many people. They have to sort this out somehow. It's not our responsibility. They're doing this. They will, or nature will, you know, deal with this. That's just what it is. But as you can see in the stats there, uh, it is falling quicker, quicker than they expected, right? From some countries here like Uganda have almost seven children per woman. Um, six in Zambia, six in Malawi, Liberia, almost down to five, you know, kind of thing. But you can see the difference there from 2005 and seven. That, uh, actually, let me correct that. That's the number I was reading. From 2005 to seven, that was the numbers then. Now in 2021, according to the latest available statistics, in Uganda, it's down to five, so it's two less children. And, and long term, that's a lot, you see. Zambia, same thing. I mean, they're all declining. Kenya is down to three point something. And that could drop very, very quickly, depending on different circumstances. Well, furthermore, I mean, even if, if the West falls, like if the West collapses, can't take care of itself economically, no more aid, what do you think is going to happen in these countries? It would be the biggest starvation, uh, you know, scenario, whatever you want to call it, catastrophe that you've ever seen in some of these countries. This is, of course, why they have to learn to prop up themselves and take care of themselves. They can't rely on UN milk and rice rations to be dumped, you know, on their heads every other month. You know what I mean? But they're different than us. They, 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 are, they are different. They don't, they don't think the same. They can't think the same, some of them. We can, we can try to give them all these tools and stuff that we've done, and that doesn't mean they get that or can do those things. And that's just an average, like on average, that's a reality. Most Africans have lower IQ than, than Europeans and, and Asians. And, and what do you do to work that? Well, you, you certainly don't prop up their number, making them dependent on us, either, either for, for to export them into our countries, uh, or just propping up all their systems, because there will be a call. Eventually, we, we either won't be able to do that or, we, or don't want to do that. And then the consequence comes, right? Others are also reducing their projections. In 1972, and I remember this, a club of Rome, we've talked about them a lot, right? And, and they inflicted this much on the Western world first, right? They say, oh, warning, warning, all these people, too many people, too much, too little resources kind of thing. But this was sold to Westerners first. We're the ones who are propagandizing to not, to thinking if we continue to have children, we're all going to die. So we've got to take our responsibility, the green movement, all this stuff, right? 
So Club of Rome had been a pernicious, insidious think tank that published this book, The Limits to Growth, warning that consumption and population growth would lead to economic collapse. Now it says the population bump may never go off. It reckons Sub-Saharan Africa's population may peak as soon as 2060, which is 40 years earlier than the UN's projections, and hopefully, hopefully it's even sooner than that. At the end of the day, this means, as I said before, less suburban sprawl and more woods, and I'm totally okay with that. That means short-term, tumultuous things. That means we're not going to be able to upkeep things in the neoliberal capitalist system like we've done before, but who cares? At the end of the day, who cares about your your cheap crap that you can buy from China? We need a complete overhaul anyway of the economic system, of the of, of the production in our countries, how we get things, food production. It all needs to be localized. It needs to be done in-house. We can do it with technology. We can do it with robots, automation, even AI to a certain extent. Some of these jobs now, everything is about to be overhauled. Don't don't sit on your ass and expect all these trends that they've given us to continue and always be the same and that we're doomed demographically and stuff like that. Is it going to be hard? Yes. But all kinds of things can and probably will happen along the way. Things we can't even imagine right now that will that will upend everything. So we've got to be dynamic and flexible. We've got to be able to adapt to the situation as it is. At the end of the day, as long as we maintain us as a group and continue to exist and have somewhere to 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 exist, it's good. If we if we lose that, we lose everything. You know what I mean? It's we you have to have have that eye on the prize. Don't you know carve it in stone and expect the one thing to that you think now is always going to play out in the future. There's so many things that could just be different, right? It could be catastrophes. It could be all kinds of things where, where these populations decline or, or fall even faster out of our control or in our control or because of politics, because of, um, as I said, natural disasters, because of the collapse of the food supply, because even elites having hubris and overplaying their hand, trying to control too many things or trying to sabotage things, right? I mean, Bill Gates and these people, some people say, oh, maybe, you know, I've, oh, he's... Uh, he secretly wants to depopulate the world and stuff. And I, I, I just, I, I don't even see that to a certain extent. He wants to stabilize it so that those, you know, kind of collapses doesn't happen. But much of their interventions have, of course, led to the increase of the numbers of many of these populations in the third and second world. And largely, again, it's, of course, because of white ingenuity and the, the, our industrial revolution, the ingenuity that we had first and one that we've you know, shared with other populations and other groups and other continents and countries and things like this, right? So we're actually helping, but we're being punished and, and seen as the villain in the story. It's incredible how they've hoodwinked us and, and turned us upside down. But the point is, we can't continue and feed these people because at some point, as we're importing already more and more of them, and as our systems are under threat, uh, stability internally is under threat, we won't be able to feed ourselves at some point. What do you think is going to happen then? Mass collapse. They're trying to blackpill us. They try to fear, you know, sub make us submit to the fear that all of these things is, are written in stone. And that is not so. Things are going to change. They, they, it will get better. Things are going to transform. Is it going to be hard? Yes, of course. But what are we doing this for? Right? We, we, this is our story. This is our challenge. This is our great, you know, this is our great obstacle to, to, to overcome and to, and to 
and to, to defeat, right? That's our dragon to slay. That's just how it is. That This is our story, and we've got to get involved in that story and start laying the foundations now for something that's going to stand in a long, long, long time from now, from now hopefully. You know what I mean? All right. So be, be brave. Be tough. Be strong. Don't let that shit get you down. Don't act like a woman because you did some. You get some black pilled news. You know what I mean? If you look, if you have to step away from stuff a little bit now and then, do that. That's totally fine. Do something that's fun. Something to get that makes you feel like you're alive. You know, go go train. Go go uh, out in the woods. Go camp. Hang out with your kids if you if you if you have them. You know, do an art project. Do whatever you need to do. Do something that that you know. Read read good books. Try to try to encourage your story. Learn some skills. You know, what I mean, get some. Improve your philosophical uh, uh, ability. You know, there's things you can do out there that to disconnect from that. But I, but sometimes I also see this kind of like almost like a, this woman womanish emotional um, attitudes from some of us. Like you have you have to know what's going on and how bad it is. And, and and that's that's not to take you down. It's it's how you use that as a fire to get you motivated, right? And if it do- and if it doesn't, if it does not motivate you, then yeah, absolutely, you know, disconnect from those things. But you have to be there as an essential cog in our machinery to and a conveyor belt to pat to pass that on. You know what I mean? It it is through to a certain extent, not always, but but through it's not the right term, shock, but like you you, you need to shake these people up from their slumber. Our people, th- those who don't understand what's happening yet. And and in some cases, yes, it's effectful. To use things that will that that will startle them essentially, like they have to understand how bad things are, and we're not doing that to bring them down. We're doing that to 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 drive a fire under their ass so they get off their ass and do something about it and start getting organized, start getting involved. And if that means to help wake up more of our people, that's great. If it's about building community, that's great. If it's about networking. If if it's about improving themselves and the lives of them and their family and their kids, all that's good stuff. I mean, it's about how you apply these things. But we have to face we have to face the reality that you can have one foot in the world of, of the of our stories of our myths of our sagas of, of of something that inspires you from 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 our racial soul if you will that that's that's good and everybody needs that but then you can have one foot in the real world as well and understand the severity of the situation and study the dragons st- study the obstacle that we obviously put here in this world now to to fight against to challenge Learn your enemy, like the other guy said before in the clip. Learn your enemy. You know? That's what this is about. All right, folks. Going to start wrapping this up here. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate you. If you uh, want to join us for more, check out RedEyesMembers.com. We have uh, one here from Losh Ogbeck. I put this together from the Musk interview you showed. Same vibe. Let me see what this one is here. The Twitter one. Oh, the <laughs> yeah, he's a <clears throat> Musk is a uh, Musk is a uh, National Socialist General now, right? Is that from a movie or is that an actual colorized footage or something? <clears throat> yeah, his eyes were funny. I didn't comment on that, but his like the stare he had on this journalist that was great. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. That was fantastic. Thank you, Lars. Appreciate that. All right, so um, as we said, we're going to be uh, coming back here with more. We have uh, Gregory Hood coming up an interview. Check that out. Uh, hope it goes up on the sites tomorrow. Then we have Flashback Friday on Friday, as usual. Uh, we might have a guest host. I'm not sure yet. We're trying to figure that last step out. 
if you want some more of Lana, we're working on a short video that will go up on RadhouseMembers.com at least first, and uh, then maybe on the other channels. Haven't decided yet. Uh, and of course, Western Warrior went up yesterday, the latest one, episode 265. Check that out. We'll cover some great stuff in there as well. Uh, so thank you guys. If you're a member, if you do want to join us, RadhouseMembers.com, sign up over there. It's only 10 bucks a month. It gets cheaper the longer sub you get as well. Don't sit on your ass. Act. Help us out so we can continue to help you, so we can inspire you and inform you. We need subscribers. Get your ass over there. Ten bucks a month recurring, or get a one-time payment. You get it. Uh, you can get it down for almost forty percent by getting a two-year subscription as well. It helps us tremendously. Subscribe.com/slash red eyes. You can get it at odyssey.com/slash at red eyes as well. We do need your support. Don't take us for granted. We're only here because of you. So. Because of our executive producers and producers, we've managed to get a, an editor board, so we're doing more clips and stuff like that on the websites now as well. We'd like to continue to expand. We set a goal first at 20. We achieved that. We have that aboard now. Uh, we'll probably set a, another goal maybe for another 20 or something like that so that we can actually get a person who can help me book shows and book guests, book guest appearances. So even in shows, we can bring on guests and have you know a short segment with somebody for 15 minutes, a little bit more organized in that capacity. It takes a long time to sort all of this out and doing all of this on the back end while the cogs and the normal machinery of Red Ice to continue to flow on the front end so you actually still get the shows that we do. We put a lot of effort in. We try to make it look good. We want to make it you know, produced well. We do a lot of preparation, things like that. Everything takes time. And the more people we can have aboard, aboard the easier it will be for us. So if you want to help us out, if you want us to help uh, get a booking person, an admin person, can help us with stuff on the back end, please consider getting an executive producer tier or a producer tier. Speaking of which, thank you guys. T. Lothrop Stoddard, V. Miller, Resin Revolt, Good Luck Lap, Jake, Red Pill Rundown, Chalky Milk, French 47, Mark Smith, No One Jeebs, President Bunga, Mongoose, William Fox, Angry White Soccer Mom, The Second Wanderer, Operation Werewolf, The Ride Never Ends, Francis Parkiyaki, Dill Bob, we have Last Place Simp, Joseph Hart, Purple Haze, and JP. Thank you guys. Also, thanks to our producers, Mr. Walker696, Johansson, Lero Dumont, Snork Pop, Eyes Open, Mr. Lemry, Urinu, Obadiah Hexwell, Single Action Army, and Georges Porge. Thank you guys. We appreciate you. So, as I said, if you want to get some resources our way, please consider it. We'd love to get some new names in there. Uh, act, don't wait, wait, we need your support, we need your help to be able to continue to expand Red Eyes. So thank you guys, appreciate all of you, we'll be back with more soon. Until then, of course, keep fighting, stay brave, stay white-pilled, and we'll be back before you know it. See you guys later, take care. Thank you for watching. Go to RedIceMembers.com and sign up for our exclusive members content. Don't miss our latest shows, interviews, and other videos only for subscribers. You can also become a member by signing up at Subscribestar.com forward slash RedIce. Get full access and help support our work. See you on the other side.